Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you here on Monday, April 16th for episode number 77. It is me, Joe Murata, alongside Michael Quinn. Quinn, the busy season is over. WrestleMania has ended. The Hall of Fame just ended. Yes. <laughs> and we are glad to be back with you guys. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, howdy doody. Wow, we've made it. Huh. we made it to the other side. There was a lot going on the last month, I would say. Yes. The Hall lot. of Fame bites. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania in the, general. The special. The special. Uh, Scott Keith was with us yeah. last week. Just tons of stuff going on. And we are so thankful to be back with you guys for a non-WrestleMania-centric episode, finally. Yes, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that we're anymore. We're just doing this. This yep. old wrestling thing. This old wrestling thing. It's been a break from that. You know, last week we talked about the new wrestling with our friend Donnie Rizzo as we watched WrestleMania 34. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check it out. It was a fun time, of course. Good show. Good show, as always. Donnie, always a hoot. He's a, a real hoot. A hoot and holler. Yes. Yeah. Folks, thanks for hollering at us. You can do that on Twitter if you want, at OVP Podcast. If you haven't followed us yet, go ahead and do that. You can also email us if you want. We do take emails uh, at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But the best place to find us, Quinn, is on the Facebook group. Yes, the Facebook group over at Facebook.feet.wrestlemania.summerslam or something. We're getting ready yeah, early we, over at Facebook. What do we got going on in that group these days? Well, all sorts of things. Videos of us uh, reacting to the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> yes, that was fun. You um, with your blankie. Yeah, talking about Jeff Jarrett and things. Now, that blanket, I just want to mention, if you go to the Facebook group, you get many a video with Quinn in this blanket. <sighs> I'm thinking we should make that a Patreon reward. What? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not getting rid of that. <laughs> That's just my segue into our Patreon, folks. If you really like the show, uh, we have things that you can get if you donate. And, you know, we don't, we're here to do the free show. Okay, this is yeah. the best thing we put out. Let's be honest. This isn't going away <laughs> yes. at all. This is kind of like the good thing that we do that's yes. free but at patreon.com slash ovp podcast you can donate if you wish we have three different tiers and i'll run them down with quinn here the one dollar tier quinn they get the video of us recording the show yes and uh basically you get to see such intricate details as quinn's can of coke yes and black hoodie the yankees thing behind me <laughs> yes and the, the infamous yankees banner the, that the black tarp behind joe <laughs> yes if you add a buck for $2 a month, not only do you get the raw video, Quinn, but we have weekly commentaries that come out every Friday. Yes, the weekly commentaries. Uh, it's us uh, watching the wrestling. Mm-hmm. You go to your WWE Network, you put on the match that we're watching, we count you yeah. down on the time code. Right. And you get to hear us pontificate. Yes. We're pontificators. Yes. It's fun times, I thought. And you can add another dollar. Again, that's only $3. And you get the whole shebang. So not only will you get the raw footage, Mm -hmm. not only do you get weekly Friday commentaries, you get a monthly live review, Quinn, as we're going through 1982 WWF. Yes, it's a great value in wrestling. (laughs) Uh, The greatest value, if you will, in all of wrestling. In all of wrestling. Right now, we're in May of 1982. We're watching as Vince McMahon Jr. starts to take over. (laughs) But I got to be honest. Glacially starts (laughs) to take over. It's a good way to put it. Not much is going on, but you can hear how we uh, react to that and the things we learn, uh, such as we don't like Tony Correa. 
Yes, and yes. Jesse the Body stinks at wrestling. <laughs> yes, all that and more at patreon.com slash Podcast. And again, no pressure there. This show that you're listening to will always be free. Yes. Bear that in mind. A couple of other things to bear in mind before we get started today. We've got some great topics, but a couple of our friends of the show have great shows with great topics as well. Yeah. There's the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's W-P-A-N. And it is a great show. It's hosted by, I guess, technically current independent wrestling referee, but he's on an extended hiatus. Mean Mike Crockett. And he's joined by ROH's own, the kingpin, Brian Malonis, or Quinn, as you like to call him. The Wine City Whaler, Brian Malonis. <laughs> That's right. But they have a great perspective, don't you think? There are two guys that work in the business. Yeah, they, behind the curtain, if you will. Behind the curtain, if you will. They interview sometimes indie wrestlers. They talk about their experiences in the business. Sometimes a little retro talk. Great show. It's my favorite thing to listen to on the way to Smashburger on Mondays. <laughs> well, there you go. You heard it here first. That's my routine. <laughs> it is. The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, WPAN. Another show that we always like to give a shout out to is our little brother. It's a one man a lonely show. Petey Winston. Yes, little Petey, the brother. The little brother. He hosts Greetings from Allentown, but he has a cool show where he'll take an episode of an old wrestling show, let's say Superstars from 1989 or something. Yeah. And between, you know, in theory, talking about that show, he'll digress about times in college or how he really likes Fonzie. Yeah, I don't know why he likes Fonzie. I don't know I, that's fuck, all about. fuck Fonzie. Yeah, but, fuck Fonzie. But great show, right? GF yeah, Allentown? great show. And if you want to say how it is in my routine, it's it's the show I listen to when I drive through snowstorms and <laughs> all sorts of nonsense. You got me through a real bad Nor'easter, Petey, one, one time. That is true. I remember Quinn telling me about that. So how about that, Pete? You've gotten Quinn through some tough times. And folks, we're here to get you through your work day or whatever you're doing today. We're going to romp about the world of wrestling. And you can always uh, let us know your suggestions. This is a fan request mania this time. Yes. We were doing WrestleMania for weeks and weeks. There's been a mania of some kind <laughs> yes. going on for the last month. You can almost call this a fan appreciation show. Fanomania. Fanomania. What we've been doing this season, and it's a very apparently people want us to keep doing it next season, we'll see if that happens, is the butterfly effect segment, Quinn. Yes. And that's where we're kind of theorizing, talking about what might have happened if something in wrestling's history had gone differently. We've covered all sorts of things, and we have a great request this week from Bill Gilbert. (laughs) Now, is that a joke? Bill Goldberg? Gilberg? Bill Gilberg? Bill Gilbert? (laughs) I don't know. I think that's fake, but I think it's a made-up name. Frankly, it sounds made up. He wanted us to talk about, what if Eric Bischoff did not fire Steve Austin Hmm. in 1995? I got fired. Right. Now, that's interesting. Now, was it 94 or 95? It was 95. Okay, because I always confuse that. I thought Austin was traipsing around in ECW earlier than that. I'm glad that you brought that up because to the naked eye, the untrained eye, there is really not much of Steve Austin in 1995 WCW. Right. To run his career back a little bit in WCW, he debuted in 1991 as stunning Steve Austin. With a lady blossom, right? Jeannie Adams, that's right. What was her famous line, Quinn? Uh, uh, your tea is getting stone cold, or whatever she said. <laughs> Very that, good. That's literally all. Yes. That's what she's famous for is making up the name Stone Cold Steve Austin. That is it. That's it. And like coming to the ring. Yes, and coming sometimes. to the ring with him, uh, and maybe being married to Chris Adams at yes. some point. At some point. Yeah, I can remember those days really well with this stunning Steve Austin. 
also had long blonde hair and a good build that he was a great wrestler. He was fresh. I mean, I think he tra- started training in 89. He was new. Yeah, he was a guy that uh, he used to go to all the matches uh, to see the Von Erichs. Yes, down right? in the world class. Yeah. yeah, down in the sweaty old sportatorium. <laughs> Apparently, he was a regular over there. And yes. He said, uh, you know, I can do that. And, yeah, and he did it. <laughs> he, he said, I'm going to go to the Chris Adams wrestling school. Yep. And, you know, that's where he first wrestled. That's my where he first wrestled. Yep. But Chris he got his big, him. big break coming to WCW. Yeah, the WCW, Austin uh, debuted there in 91. He quickly became a pretty integral part of the mid-card. Managed by Paul Heyman, joined the Dangerous Alliance, was TV champion. Mm -hmm. Went on to cut his hair to a little bit better of a style. Yeah, his hair was thinning from the moment we saw him, and we'll go over that later in this show. Yes, and... uh, you know, he's perhaps best known for in WCW as one half of a great tag team with Brian Pillman, the Hollywood Blondes. Yes, uh, I think that's where people saw the true charisma of Stone Cold Steve Austin or stunning, stunning Steve, Steve Austin. Austin. Yes, because in the Hollywood Blondes, they had taken uh, Flying Brian, who now was a heel, right. and Steve Austin, who was always a heel, natural heel, obviously I at that, that point. You know, for that time, that's weird seeing. Flying Brian right, as, as a heel, heel because he was always a big white meat baby face, plucky, you know? plucky light heavyweight champion or yep. whatever they had back then. But Austin had, you know, and I mean this in a good way, mid card heel written all over him. And I mean that in a, in a complimentary way. Yeah, at the he's time. the kind of guy you want to see in those kind of matches, right. those TV title matches. Yes, those tag two team. out of three falls. Absolutely. Oh, look, these guys can wrestle, unlike the main event. Had some good stuff with, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Had some good stuff with Ricky Steamboat. Had some yeah. good stuff with uh, Barry Windham, for example. About time, Stunning Steve Austin started getting exactly what he was asking for. In 1994, the Blondes had already broken up. Brian Pillman went back to being a single star. And Austin, you know, he was he was still somewhat of a factor in 94. Well, Colonel Parker took his career right down the toilet, <laughs> apparently. Weird pairing, if you yeah. ask me. I never liked that pairing. And then Hogan comes in, and Hogan's friends come in. We all know about Hogan's friends. No more prima donnas! You know, when Hogan's friends come in, I feel like there's no place for Austin at that point. Unfortunately, I believe that's true because you go from the pre-Hogan era of mid-94 where you've got Austin and Flair and, uh, you know, Mick Foley and yeah. a bunch of like, oh, you, you know, mean, Johnny B. Bad. You mean good wrestlers? Yeah. <laughs> DDP was on the rise, yeah. right? Hogan brings in Beefcake, the butcher. We get Earthquake. Enough of him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we get the honky-tonk man. Ugh. Kamala resurfaces at one come point, on, etc. Right? Kind of, he does. Seriously, Kamala. <laughs> Austin gets injured. I guess they don't have much of a place for him, in their minds yeah. anyway, by 95. I know Austin had... His last notable match was against Randy Savage in 95. <laughs> what? I don't Saturday even remember night. that. Yeah. And Sonny Steve just driving the elbows in, or making the shoulders in, and now a right hand to the side of the jaw, and now stomping away on the Macho Man Randy Savage. You know the infamous story that uh, Bischoff fires him via FedEx? Yes. Austin didn't like that. It was Actually, it was a bit of a grievance, I would say. Yes. As Paul Heyman once <laughs> said, Quinn, you have a grievance? I have a television yes. show. Yes, and I'm sure it's playing right now. And I said, hey, what are you doing? Oh, goddamn kid, just sit at home. Got fired. Really? Ah, oh, fucking assholes, they fired me. You want to talk about it on the air? On the air? Yeah, you want to talk about it on the air? Oh, goddamn kid, how do you want me to do that? I got a TV show. You got a grievance. Come on up and air it. And thus, the Steve Austin of ECW comes into being, and he quickly cuts his hair after doing the remember the Monday Night Quill parody yes <laughs> where he put the fake Bischoff wig yes. on and, he, and Bongo he looks weird he he's does. wearing like a weird coat if I recall <laughs> he does look weird he's wearing that coat from like Taxi Driver yes remember that movie I remember that movie yeah. and I remember that coat yeah and uh, we have a crew cut Steve Austin now kind of being a proto Stone Cold and it was great 
He was a hot commodity in ECW for a few months, but he didn't want the title. He wanted to chase the title. Yeah, so he, he wanted to beat the shit out of Mikey Wimprack, if I recall, because he like yes. upset him or something. <laughs> That's what happened. He got him! He got him! Mikey wins! Mikey wins! Mikey Wimprack just pinned Steve Austin! And in December of 1995, he joins WWF as the ringmaster. We know that he becomes Stone Cold throughout 1996, and the rest is history. So let's walk it back now, right? Mm -hmm. What if he doesn't get let go by Bischoff in 1995? Let's start on the WCW end. What do they do with him in WCW? Quinn? Unfortunately, I don't think much. Because I I really think they would have just had him do nothing. So I think his skills would have shined through. And maybe as Nitro progressed, mm -hmm. he would have moved up the card. You would, would see him work probably with the likes of Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, see, that would have been good. Or more stuff with Lord Steven Regal. Regal would have been good. I mean, Fit Finley. Fit Finley, and that's right. There was a... Chris Voldemort. wealth, yeah. Chris yeah. Voldemort. Dean Malenko. Right. Austin Malenko would have been fun. What about Austin mixing it up with guys like uh, Mark Merrow? Like the WC, yeah. like Johnny B. Bad, I mean. Johnny B. Bad, yeah. Even DDP as a face. Right. These are all viable options. He would have been... You know, he would have had the pick of the litter, if you will, of wrestlers to work with. But ultimately, I don't think guys like Hulk Hogan, mm. Macho Man, yeah. and shit like that would let him rise above where he was. So do you think the NWO continues as is? He might have been in the NWO, but he would have been just, you know, On the like level a of Scott who? Norton or oh, something, you know? Like, like a Mike Rotundo or something some like guy that. that's there. So long term on the WCW end of things, do you think we ever see Steve Austin WCW world champion? Never. Never, Never. huh? Never, ever. I tend to agree with you. I think his career would have been ruined. He would have maybe wound up as a respected upper mid-carder at best. He would have been training wrestlers in some dingy gym nowadays. Like Buddy Lee Parker? Yeah. He wouldn't have a a ranch, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) He wouldn't have a podcast, that's for sure. Yeah. Nobody would know who he is, really. I think, I'm serious, he would have just been like some dude that wrestled and people kind of remember him. Really? You really think yeah. it would have been that yeah. nondescriptive a career? Not nondescript. He would have been memorable. Yeah. But he just wouldn't have been, Obviously, know. the things that we've seen, yeah. He may have jumped. Uh, like, I could see a guy like him, um, because he probably wouldn't have broken his neck because he would never had that match with Owen Hart. That's, That's true. like a random-ass thing. So it's like, well, if that doesn't happen, then he's not going to break his neck, so he would have just kept wrestling. I could see him working with Chris Jericho in WCW. WCW, sure. And, you know, I, I think he probably would have become friends with that crowd and left for WWF, perhaps in 1999 or that something was, like that. Perfect. That was yeah. going to be my next question. Now, we'll get to the WWF side in a second, but does he leave for WWF anyway? He would have left with all the people that the the mass like group leaving because they weren't getting push like Voldemort and Saturn and all those and all guys. those guys in ninety nine yeah. early two thousand okay because it, it wasn't just them like Jericho was part of that even though he wasn't like in the collective four he, or whatever that's true. like you know what I mean like all was, white yeah got out of there big too show. Yeah, yeah like a lot of people who were stuck in the mid card mm-hmm. like how I would imagine Austin would have been stuck in the mid card mm-hmm. left altogether and I think that's he would have been in that group in 99. Okay, that's fair. Now, what is he walking into if he goes to WWF in 99? That's See, the that's, interesting that's part the here. the thing. Um, does it get dominated by The Rock? Does The Rock fill the void that Austin <laughs> is not fulfilling? Well, let's see. Austin had no immediate impact when he came in in 96, right? He was literally just there. Yeah. Until the famous you know, MSG incident, and then someone else had to win King of the Ring. And even then, it wasn't until Brett 
Well, Triple H probably would have won the King of the Ring in 96. Except maybe for the curtain call. Yeah, we don't know. But what does Bret Hart do? Like so many implications for the WWF, much more than WCW, I think, if Austin never jumps there. Bret still. Um, Who does he Brett's come in and main, wrestle? Bret's main gripe was with Sean and the click and everything. I don't That's think it would point. have affected any of his stuff. Putting That's Austin true. over was just a side thing that he liked. Like he was like, I like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You're the best wrestler. Yeah. That type of thing. You're right though. Brett could have just come back in the fall of ninety six and picked up with Michaels and not worried about or Austin. Whatever, yeah. Right, or, or, something or, like that. or if he if they were still um smiles were lost and people <laughs> hated people hated other people, then right. he would have just fought, fought somebody else. Okay. Yeah. So Brett still has a good career, can still turn heel. Yeah, yeah. In the all face that, of the all Shawn that Michaels shit could feud. happen. Like it's just you know, it, it, but there's just, no Austin. There's no. It's just a different guy. Somebody else would have taken that spot. I don't know who. who. Though, that's yeah. the thing. Is who could have been Ken Shamrock? Yeah, could it could have been a room right? Like there, there's a lot of room for a lot of people when you don't have a personality the size of Stone Cold Steve Austin eating up that much space. That's true because from the mid part of 1997 until the damn guy got injured and were uh, left to repair his neck in 99, the shows were essentially built around Steve Austin. Right. And I've checked the roster. The only one I have left here on the card tonight that would be a suitable opponent for mankind would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm going to make that match in the event that Sid does not arrive. It's going to be as simple as that. See, that's where you got a problem, son. I done wrestle once tonight, and I ain't going to go out there and save your little show. It's literally a roll of the dice of the cast of characters that you have in the World Wrestling Federation at that time. But per- it could be anybody. But let's say Austin doesn't jump back until 99, right? Doesn't come in until 99. Does WWF go on to the same success? I don't think so. I think Austin is an integral, important, irreplaceable part of their rise in 97, 98. I agree, but I don't think it would have prevented them from going the smut TV route that uh, that you wrote. Ultimately, yes, that I wrote, Bro. that ultimately would have had them rise anyway. Do you think he keeps Bret Hart, Vince? Because there's no Austin. Um, no, because I don't think he could pay Bret Hart. Okay, well, especially maybe not if Austin's not going to be bringing any money. Yeah. But he doesn't get Mike Tyson then. Maybe not. Right? All I'm saying is I think the direction of the show ultimately probably maybe would have taken longer, okay. but it would have propelled them to the, the heights because Russo was going to push that shit anyway. He just needed a guy to do it. You mean you? Yeah. Quinn is Vince Russo. I'm just saying. I know. No, he, I know. You know, like in all seriousness, like he would, that was his vision was to make it like Howard Stern or whatever. <laughs> That's a very know? well said. I think Vince Russo still thinks everything should be Howard Stern. Right. Exactly. The, the problem is Howard Stern now is more like I'm Mr. Quack, quack. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, I do get where you're coming from. I think WWF has a much longer and more difficult road. Though, oh, yeah. Right. Without Steve Austin there. Yeah. Um, Although I do think um, The Rock would have probably been remembered as the guy of the era more so because he was going to rise anyway. That guy had more talent than and, most well, people. And charisma. Yeah, more talent and charisma than most of the people on the roster. That, yeah, that's true. It would have been only a matter of time. And it may have just ended up being The Rock that maybe is in Austin's place. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I mean, to be fair to The Rock and, and that argument there, in 2000, when Austin was literally not there almost all the year, yeah, who was the number one face in the company? It was The Rock. It was The Rock. What do you think about The Rock taking Austin's spot in 97 where, where, where uh, to face Bret Hart? What, I what about that? I don't think he had the... I don't think he was positioned to be something like that yet, but then again, you never know. Right. I think, honestly, though, 
the harder implication here is on the WWF because WCW still would have gone as they did right, with they this one extra, it up with one extra guy on the roster that they're doing some stuff with, which would be Austin. Yeah, but he wouldn't be you. But he wouldn't really be. He would just yeah. be there. Yeah, so, you know, you know who's another guy who would have been a beneficiary of this? Um, Jericho, because when he came in in '99, um, you know, Austin's star wouldn't have been so high. True, being in, uh, lingering in WCW probably, and I think Jericho might have stood out more uh, coming in. Maybe and even may- yeah, and maybe in '99 his he it wouldn't have been delayed because you know you got to remember you're pushing things around because you have your star Austin there. Everything's built around him right. at that point. Yes. So it, everything gets messed up. I agree with you there. I think the bottom line here before we wrap up is that WCW would have been pretty much the same and right. just had a good wrestler in the mid card yeah. <laughs> that they didn't have. Uh, I think WWF, it's tough to say if they would have had... It, it might not exist, it, to it be fair. It might not exist or it might have taken a, a longer time to recover. It really... It it could go either way for the WWF because it it really would come down to could they financially sur- like literally financially hang on? Yeah, um, I, I agree to one hundred percent. Could they hang on? And what else would capture lightning in a bottle the way the Austin McMahon feud did? Because that was nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, and without that, it's tough to say. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I don't know who you can insert into that position. Oh, guys have to move faster if there's not another guy to do it. That's just how it was back then, and they all say that, and I kind of fully believe, looking back at the roster of guys that they had, even minus Austin, Mm -hmm. that any other person was willing and able to take that spot and go with it. So as Randy Savage would say, the cream rises to the top. Right, it would just be the next guy. I mean, as much as we don't like uh, Triple Horse, you know, he he was a pretty um, cavalier kind of character yep. uh, a guy that wanted to rise i could see him that's you know, a good point triple h could have been yeah a, a bigger player than he was right. in 98 right because he was a guy that wasn't afraid to say i can do that vince you know you, what you're right you know that's a good point that's a very good point folks we want to know your point of view on this one what would have happened on both sides for austin's career for wcw and obviously for wwf had eric bischoff not fired steve austin in 1995 you can let us know by reaching us on twitter at ovp podcast shoot us an email or do what all the cool kids are doing and go to the facebook group and let us know but when we come back we have the fan chosen mount rushmore and death valley and that's coming up right after this you want to do what i do for a living son then step into the wwf war zone Go ahead, create your own wrestler. Just another victim for Stone Cold to take out. Four player action, four more kicked. A piece of trash like you is going to get the steel cage with me? All the moves in the world won't mean jack when you meet the Stone Cold Stunner. You want to survive WWF Warzone? Stay away from me. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Acclaim sports. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode number 77, Monday, April 16th, 2018. Before we get to the fan-requested Mount Rushmore and Death Valley segment here, I just want to remind you, I forgot to at the top of the show, that If you happen to be listening on SoundCloud, maybe that's where you found us. Some people do. You don't have to listen to us on SoundCloud. Quinn, they can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, 
Yes, iTunes, the uh, preferred uh, podcast <laughs> retailer yes. in the universe They're of fantastic. podcasts. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, you can leave us a five-star review there. We only accept five-star reviews, even though we can't control it. But that's um, all we accept. We're like Meltzer in Japan. Yeah. Manch. Thank Manch. you. Yeah. So do that, because yes, it's good that. for the show, and <laughs> yes. we like it. Um, also, hit the subscribe button, because then you don't ever have to think about this show popping in your phone thing. Yeah, it'll just flow right into it. Yeah. Uh, so you can do that. You can also reach us on Google Play Music if you use that. I yes. don't. I've never even tried it. Yeah, Google Play Music, Stitcher, yeah. Auto, yep. FM Player. Yep. Who cares? Yeah. Sorry, Gorilla. Various other pod outlets. <laughs> outlets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Quinn, uh, as I mentioned here, the fans requested this Mount Rushmore in Death Valley. Yes, they did. This is where each week, folks, we put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore. Four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. And it could be anything. And we put four options on a Facebook poll a few weeks back. Yes, this is the actual poll results. And I guess we'll have a new poll after yes, this. We'll have a new poll. Well, first of all, I want to mention this was originally requested by Nick Lewis. That was his pick. Aha. It got to the poll. The winner for the Mount Rushmore in Death Valley is... The WWF in 1992. Yes, the uh, years. A lot of people like these for the Rushmore, don't they? Yeah, we've done a bunch of different years, right? 96, we've done 93, 99, 95... This will be an interesting one. 92 is, in my opinion, Quinn, a very fun year for WWF. I like it a lot. WWF, folks, in 1992 was coming a bit of a, on a downturn by that point. You know, the Zahorian. Remember him? Yeah. Dr. George Zahorian, Mr. Steroid there. Mr. I met everything in <laughs> 1982. Giving out the steroids. Uh, he had been indicted in late 91. There had been allegations going on of sexual misconduct. <laughs> In wrestling? No. Yes, that was with uh, <laughs> Mr. Feet or whatever. Yeah, Mr. Feet and <laughs> Pat, Pat Patterson and yeah. uh, Murray something or other. Hodgkin, remember him? That, oh, yeah. That jerk. And everyone yeah. went on Donahue and talked about yeah, it. Yeah, listen, go watch our Donahue thing <laughs> yeah. on YouTube because we did cover, like, kind of the impetus of this. We did, actually. <laughs> Holy shit, and then Dave's hair. <laughs> I think we found the San Andreas fault. <laughs> it's in Dave's hair. That, it was somebody's fault. <laughs> All this stuff happened, and it was leading to a downturn for business for the World Wrestling Federation. However, however, creatively, mm. they were on a high. Yikes, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? And the roster was top-notch. It was, especially to start the year. Yes. And that's where I uh, believe we're going to be starting. I know what you're going to pick, but maybe you'll surprise me. Quinn, why don't you throw the first inductee out there, so to speak, nomination? Well, I guess I'll just go with it. Yeah, because it, it's it. kind of the best thing of the year. Yeah. Royal Rumble 92. Yeah, no shit. The match. Yeah, it's got to be number one, I think. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's historically good. It is. It is storytelling within a Royal Rumble match that I had never seen before or after. It's the pattern by which all Royal Rumbles are kind of modeled after. Or should want to model after yeah, anyway, right? I, and, you know, we've said a lot about it. I, I think the strengths of it are, first of all, that the title's on the line. That is a very unique thing. I care about the belt. Right. Most people do. And, yeah. and especially in 1992, the title had been vacated, obviously. What's cool about that Rumble, too, is that was the first time it had any kind of a prize other than, hi, I won! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. And going into it, uh, the Hulkster had won the previous two, so mm -hmm. he seemed to be the odds-on favorite, but they throw the swerve in there. Yeah, Ric with, Flair. With Ric Flair, yeah. The uh, historic, you know, entered at number three, mm -hmm. was in there for over an hour. Right, he he beat uh, Rick the Model Martel's record <laughs> yes, as Gorilla, did. so... 
poignantly pointed out. Yes, that, throughout that, the event, yeah, right? Yeah. I beat the model! Yeah, he, he was very excited about that. He is right now the all-time record holder in excess of 55 minutes. He kept mentioning it, Joe. Yep. Bobby Heenan, of course, had a dog in that fight in the commentary. It's one of the most enjoyable, fun, dramatic commentary yep. performances. And I think that's the second strength to to note there is yep. definitely Bobby Heenan and Gorilla on commentary. They sell the match. I mean, from the moment Ric Flair comes out and you could kiss it goodbye, brain. Yep. There goes a buzzer. No. Oh, yes. Damn it. It's Ric Flair. Oh, you can kiss it goodbye, brain. And all the one-liners that Bobby sneaks in throughout it about Barbarian's not a hairdresser on his day off. You right. Know, and, it's a skirt. Yep. Not, not a kilt. And then it's a dress or yep. whatever. And uh, not only that, I mean, the match itself is, for me anyway, and I know for you and many other people, nonstop entertainment. It doesn't get slow or boring, that match. No, and that you can't say that about a lot of Royal Rumbles. No, you really can't. I mean, the year after would be a perfect example of not a great Royal Rumble. 93 was not very good. And they tried. Okay, I'll give them credit here with Royal Rumble 93. They tried with putting a prize on it. Yeah, with the winner goes to fight, and which is what they, you know, which is what they stu- stuck with, because obviously you can't have the title be on the line every single year. No, so you know, whatever. But it just didn't have the magic of this Royal Rumble. Certainly not, and few have since then. There's been very good ones. Don't get me wrong. There yes. have been good Royal Rumbles. No, that's not to say there hasn't been. But, but I mean, this is this is it. Not only is this the best Royal Rumble ever, it's probably the best overall thing of 1992. I, I would definitely say so. Um, I don't One think, of the best. I think it's not going to get knocked off this thing. I don't even know if it's worth volleying. If you want me to, I mean, I could probably come up with something. But It's going to be one of those, uh, it's this and everything else. I think so. I think it's the Royal Rumble 92 is not getting knocked off, and then we just figure out what else is going to make it. Uh, I'll agree with that. All right, because there is a lot of good stuff. And obviously, folks, we don't mean to be too brief, but we've talked about this at length, and it's just a fantastic match from beginning to end. And if you haven't seen it, um, oh, go check seriously, it out. Seriously, if you haven't, because some people maybe haven't, honestly. Yeah, honestly. I, I really think it's something to go check out. It really compares to anything else in wrestling ever. It's one of the better things. And it has one of the best rosters that a Royal Rumble has ever had. Yes. I mean, it, you've got Hogan, Flair, Savage, Undertaker, Sid, and even other guys like Sergeant Slaughter, Shawn Michaels, Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts. Yeah, the the cool thing about it is with that roster is that even if you're, say, a, a territory guy like a Mike Mills or something, right? Yeah. You got guys that were stars everywhere in this thing. This That's is true. This is everyone from everywhere, the best people from the 80s, period, all in one place, all competing for the world title. Yep, absolutely. It is one of its kind often imitated i'd say in terms of what they're achieving never duplicated never duplicated rick flair's crowning achievement in the wwf obviously yes the best royal rumble ever and the best thing i think in both of our vantage points here from 1992 we'll put it on as number one yes royal rumble 92 all right there michael i'm going to and this is ties into rumble 92 but i think one of the best things of 1992 for your consideration here mm-hmm. rick flair yes rick flair in uh, general. had a hell of a year i don't know if it's gonna go in and i'll tell you why sure whereas he did have a hell of a year mm-hmm. there are some weird anomalies most notably not fighting hulk hogan at wrestlemania that is true also not being even a wrestler at SummerSlam. okay i fair. don't know why that is true he got kind of gypped on that pay-per-view and it just got a little weird at the end 
He kind of just became unimportant. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's not like they didn't like him either. Like, he was featured, and Mm -hmm. it's not like he was demoted down the card or anything. It's just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with business or something. It's just Ric Flair is not where he should be by the end of 1992. That's true. In my eyes. No, you're right. I, I agree with you there. It was a bit of a fall from grace from the way he started off the year. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to throw on the table here? Well, I will say this, uh, WrestleMania 8. Mm, um, another great thing. I don't know if you want to pick apart WrestleMania and point out one thing. Flair Savage is great. Flair Savage. Uh, Brett Piper is Brett great. Brett Piper, that was the other one I was going to say. And the commentary is great. The commentary is great. You know, it's also got the factor of it being kind of like an end of an era with Hulk Hogan supposed, allegedly leaving. That's true. This could be Hulk Hogan's last match. The last time you'll ever see him rip off one of those cheap-looking T-shirts. I I know that match is weird. But, I mean, for people, I know it's very memorable, the Ultimate Warrior coming back, even though, you know, it was whatever. But It was whatever, but it's still, in my mind, one of the better, you know, we talked about it with Scott, one of the better WrestleManias. Yes, one of the better WrestleManias, one of the highlights of 1992. Yeah. What about the SummerSlam that year as well, if we're going to talk about pay-per-views? Sure, we can talk about SummerSlam. I love it. I love the look of it at Wembley Stadium, 80,000. Yes, in a main event that doesn't include the old guard. That's what's very interesting, is the the closer of the show there, man, is Bret Hart, Intercontinental Champion, defending against British Bulldog David Boy Smith right there in his own backyard. He's going to win, whether he wants to or not. I like to think that this is like a culmination of the push of Davy Boy Smith since 1991. I think you're right. This is what they'd been building to, to since the Royal Albert Hall 1991 Coliseum <laughs> tape or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. this, and, and I mean, all for over a year, he had been featured uh, as one of the top flight stars up and coming. Yep. He's got power. He's a good wrestler. Yep. All of this stuff. He's, Incredible. He's he's unique for being from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of, you know, an international star, how he was treated or whatever. And it was pretty well done. Uh, for, I'd say so. For, for, you know, a WWF event in the UK and everything. I absolutely agree with you. I think Brett... With that match, you know, Brett calls it his best match ever, which I don't agree with. I don't agree with it either. But it's a great match. But it's a good, it's a highlight. It's a highlight of his career. Brett's main eventing like an 80,000 seat arena or whatever it is. Yeah. 70, 60, I don't know, but somewhere very high. It's let's 80, it uh, as far as I understand. But not only that, and I know you don't like this as much, but two big names from the old guard battle it out in the first half of the main event, really. Savage Warrior 2 for the world title. I love the idea of that match right. because it's the rematch between, yes. from, from WrestleMania 7, which is you know, one of my favorite things. I don't think it's as good. It's not. And I think the whole thing with Flair is a little ridiculous. And why not just have Flair wrestle? I know. That's, at, the, you know. that's the big elephant in the room is why is Ric Flair not wrestling yeah. at SummerSlam? I it's know. Not, he's not hurt. There's no. no there's no reason. Yep. It's just... Why? He couldn't have wrestled somebody else. <laughs> I know. Just anybody. <laughs> like anybody. Seriously. You've aired your grievances on this, and I don't disagree with you to, yeah. that, to that end. And also, we did a commentary on this match. Michaels Martell is fun. Yes. Yes. Like and I mean, it's just memorable for that whole outdoors look. And yes. I, again, these are all stupid things that, um, you know, I might not love, but they're memorable. Like the Road Warriors come in the ring on a Harley Davidson sure. or whatever. Yeah, they fight Money Inc. in a so-so match there. Yeah, but I mean, it, it just had a look and feel of like a WrestleMania now. Like yeah. the current WrestleMania. That's that's a great way to put it. Just the expansive arena, the long aisle, different, yeah. unique look, you know, one of a yeah. kind look. 
I love that event. And I don't an know. excited crowd. And a very excited crowd. England, especially yeah. there. Hello, chaps. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that and WrestleMania 8 are great. One of the things I would nominate, honestly, Quinn, just mm-hmm. in general, one of the best things of 92, if you really look at it top to bottom, is Bret Hart. His yeah, run in 92. Bret Hart, uh, his, his rise. His rise. From Intercontinental Champion to World Heavyweight Champion at I the think, end of the year. Yeah, I think he's tremendous throughout the year. We don't get to see him at Rumble because he was in that contract dispute, mm-hmm. allegedly you know, injured. When he was sick or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sick. Mm-hmm. But the match in which he beats Piper, another one we did a commentary on, fantastic match. Yeah. The match against Bulldog, fantastic match. The match against Michaels at Survivor Series 92 which is, is an awesome thing, too, because champion versus champion, but one title on the line Only this, this time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he also added that the feud with Michaels throughout the spring and summer of 92 before that match, you know, where mm-hmm. Brett was the intercontinental champion. Right. IC title feud rather than world title feud. Yep. And they had their their first ladder match mm-hmm. was during that period of time. And that's another thing. It might get nominated a ladder match. I mean, for its influence and uh, importance. Again, it highlights the creativity boon that, yes. the, that the company was experiencing. Not like the uh, Aaron Boone that yeah. the Yankees are experiencing <laughs> right now. But yeah. yes, uh, there was quite a boon, I would say. It's very yeah. boony. Yeah. And um, Brett, even in the match in which he won the title from Flair in October, not an all-time classic, but solid. Just good, you know? Yeah. And, and Brett, one thing about him in 92, very solid, very good, just really working his ass off to shine, to break out. Yep. And it shows. And another guy, too, Shawn Michaels in 92. Right. Shawn was... Um Coming off uh, breaking up with Marty Jannetty. Through, um, through that the window. technically is in 1991, I think like December 29th or something. No! Oh my God! Right through the glass window of the barber shop! Jannetty tried to dive through the window to escape. Did you see that? Are you blind? What an act of cowardism! It's interesting, Quinn. Michaels has visited the barber shop exactly twice. Mm-hmm. Once he threw um, Marty Jannetty through the window. And the second time, recently, he threw his ponytail through the window. Oh, get, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Sean was coming off a high-profile breakup with Marty Jannetty. Absolutely. He picks up Sherry. <laughs> yep. Um, Great pairing. To, to be his manager. Fun and pairing. Off to the races he is in 92. Um, the Heartbreak Kid is born. Yes. Uh, this was the good Shawn Michaels uh, in this initial and, run yes. that I like. Um, Until about he, early 93. He's just a cocky, arrogant heel and... He's kind of on the chase rather than, um, you know, kind of floating and, and treading water as yes. the Intercontinental Champion later on. Eating donuts, apparently, <laughs> in 93. But yeah. you're right. I mean, he's being promoted as this guy could be a big star one day. The star of the 90s yes. or whatever they said. And then when he finally does win the Intercontinental title from Davey Boy Smith in October. Big aired, upset, aired in by November. the way, because it was yeah. very recent since Davy Boy Smith won the title. And Davey Boy Smith had been built up for forever. And yeah. Shawn Michaels you know, eight months or something, and yeah. just comes in and kicks his ass. Like, yep. And clean, too. Yeah. He won it clean. No cheating. And then he gets that title shot against Brett that we mentioned at Survivor Series. Well, now, that was because that match was scheduled already, right? That's correct, that when there some, were no titles on yeah, the line. Right. <laughs> Which, Which is, is very weird. funny. So, I mean, Michaels, Brett, I would have to say, honestly, if we're talking wrestlers, we got three real contenders in terms of wrestlers. Yes. Flair, Brett, and Michaels. I think yeah. of the top three. I mean, Sa- Savage Randy too. Savage right, is like you know another what? MVP of that okay, year. Okay, make a case. Hulk Hogan had left, and now yes. Macho Man was truly on his own. Yes. No no Hogan to get in the way and suck up all the air in the room. Right. <laughs> the Macho Man is the number one guy. Yep. The problem with the Macho Man is that uh, later on in this year, he gets 
absorbed into Vince's Babe Ruth fantasy, God, whatever. By the end of the year, it's like that's his last gasp at Survivor Series. And it's not even that old. Well, he no, is, but, but he's, he's not like out of shape and done. No, I know. Yeah, it's stupid. And then he becomes like Mr. WWF, basically, like the yeah. mascot. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to sell you the magazine and the fan club and all <laughs> yeah. this shit. Oh, yeah, this is the Macho Man, Randy Savage, letting you join the world's hottest fan club. It was kind of unfortunate, yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't like that version that of that year, him. he was very good. He was very good in 92. His, well, the majority of it, he was good. His feud with Jake Roberts ended in the earlier part of 92, and then he moved on to Ric Flair. Had a great freaking match against Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8. Mm-hmm. Had that great uh, match with the Warrior. Continued the Flair feud in the midst of that. Yep. Uh, and it got derailed when a certain guy from uh, Miami, Florida came in with a Cuban accent, but we'll get to him <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Possibly. We might yeah. actually have a case <laughs> there. I'd say Savage is up there. We've got a match in, which is Rumble 92. I think it's only fitting that maybe we, to in the interest of diversifying this portfolio, we've got a match in. Maybe we'll put a pay-per-view in and a wrestler and we can work from there. Okay. I would say the best standout wrestler out of the four now, I guess, Flair, mm-hmm. Michaels, Brett, Brett. Brett, and Savage. <sighs> That's hard. Oh, I think Savage Flair is the Savage. most consistent. Like, Brett is too, though. Brett's really good, but yeah, does Savage, Savage is good. have a bad match in 1992? Even like on Coliseum video, he's good. Like, yeah, I know, but Brett is too. Yeah, but Brett. I mean, now, I'll say this about Brett. I feel like he's still figuring out who he is. You know, still hard as my dad. <laughs> no, I know you're right. I do think though that Savage is unheralded. His 92 is unheralded. This might be his swan song, but like in a, like how Shawn Michaels had a swan song that was like four years long or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, yeah, this is like him being consistently the best in his game. Like he is just the top tier and a worthy, worthy successor yet again to Hulk Hogan. Right. Because Hogan had been the champion yet again, you know, for right. a chunk of time. He's like, you know, steroid mania or whatever's going on there. So Savage comes in, picks up the belt, goes on Arsenio, does all that garbage, you know, yeah. that you have to do when you're champion. Right. During a bad period of business for them. And Savage got them the Slim Jim deal, which, he you did. know, laugh it, laugh it up all you want. But that, hey. that, that, that was one of the reasons they wanted to keep him. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of money. Yeah. You know what? I'm never disappointed to see 1992 Randy Savage. Yes. 93, yes, because he's very underutilized and it's just, yeah. it's upsetting. Not of his own fault. And no, not, not that of his own bad. fault. He's just, he's misused. Yeah. I'll I'll put Savage on. I don't think anything can knock him off. That's not to say another wrestler can't go on. Right. But I will put Randy Savage on. I don't think, uh, I don't think he can get knocked off. What do you think? I agree. All right. I so think Randy Savage should definitely be in there. Was the world champion after all. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So for number two, the Macho Man. Randy Savage. I got a guy that um, maybe not the whole year, but um, you know his contributions up till WrestleMania eight were stellar. What do we uh, got? Jake the Snake. Trust me, man. That heel run. I mean, I know the Trust best awesome. of it kind of happened at this Trust Tuesday me. in Texas in ninety one. It did, but he was still, God, so good. He was so still so good. Those first three months from yeah. January to April or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Those first three months of 1992, he was this awesome heel character. He wrapped up his feud with Savage and moved on, of all people, to The Undertaker, who was an ally of his. Right. Up until then. It's kind of incredible looking back at it. Um, 
you know, kind of Jake was really truly passing the torch in a sense. In where, a sense. where people like to kind of romanticize and act like at WrestleMania 7 beating Snuka was passing the torch. It, what, it's it, a big rub to beat Jake Roberts, too. Jake Roberts, to me, is a way bigger deal how in 1992. Times, yeah, how, how often did he lose clean on pay-per-view? Snuka was nobody in in 91, 91 he wasn't. Yeah. 89, I could buy it a little bit, but yeah. by 91, I don't know. Who yeah. cared about Jimmy exactly. Snuka? Exactly. Honestly. Jake the Snake was the creepy character. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like he was. He was the guy that The Undertaker would be the like master of that style. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point, Quinn. I don't know. It, he didn't have the longevity, obviously, of 92. Right. But, but he was great. But I think Jake was peaking that whole um, beginning of the year his of his entire career. Mm-hmm. I think his promos were on point. His character was fully developed. As like the most sadistic version of him ever, even before his initial heel run he in 86 and 7. He seemed most dangerous. Yes. Like he seemed like a guy that, you know, if he wanted to get his hands on the world title, he could. Yeah, he'd find he, a way he, to. He'd find a, he'd find a way to figure it out, but he just wasn't interested in it. Like when that is like how much of a threat you're considered in kayfabe, right? That's saying something to, to the development of that character. I think so. I, I wish that character had stayed on the rest of the year. Yeah, would have been too. cool to see some more stuff from heel Jake. However, I think I think one way to encapsulate a lot of the good of 1992 that we've been talking about mm-hmm. is WrestleMania Eight. You think I, I do, hmm. or what do you you think SummerSlam is better? I think no, I think, I think WrestleMania 8's better. I think SummerSlam I is kind it. of... SummerSlam's kind of like, man, look how big we are. Yeah, you know, like, look how big this place is. Yeah, like SummerSlam's like kind of a celebration of, hey, we're still a big deal. Yes, and over here in England, we're really a big deal. WrestleMania 8, in a weird way, is like, no, this is everyday business. Yeah. You know, like, this is... We're, we're good. Lots of paper in that Hoosier yeah, Dome, I yeah. think, though, Quinn. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, you know, all the matches and stuff are great. I love the, it, yeah. the pay-per-view as a, as, a, as a whole is a better pay-per-view than SummerSlam. It is, and the pacing is really good. It's just a very easy-to-watch WrestleMania. Right. Eight, I yeah. think, right? It's very easy to watch. Right. I think it's the best pay-per-view of 1992. I mean, Rumble is, is right there, but we put the Rumble match in, so I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Rumble's, the Rumble pay-per-view, the pay-per-view as a whole is pretty damn good, it too. It is. I know it is. But it doesn't have a world title match on it, because well, the, I mean, the, Rumble the Rumble is the world title. So, I mean, you and, got that, and it's got that weird, like, the Mountie, <laughs> Piper like, thing. the champion thing. Yeah, I know, and then, don't forget Jameson's all I over mean, that. I mean, that's great, that's a great moment, though, when Piper wins it the title. It is, I know, that's the thing. What about Roddy Piper? I know we haven't talked much about him, but I really... Well, you know, I remember I when mean, they were changing your potty I'm pants. just saying, he, st- he doesn't have much in 92, no. but he, he leaves a, a mark. He like, does leave a mark. His swan song is the Bret Hart match, and then he plays the bagpipes at SummerSlam. But winning the Intercontinental title was a big deal, too. It, well, I mean, that's huge. That was one of the biggest things in Roddy Piper's career. I love the, the win over the Mountie because fuck the Mountie who cares you know and it was just it It was was time it it felt like Piper had spent his career a lot of putting people over I feel I don't think so I know I would disagree with that but I think because he was never a champion or anything I felt that like people associated and working with them even if they lost were getting like a rub Okay, I'll give but you the that's rub. what I always I felt guess. about Roddy Piper. Yeah, but to be fair though, like Hogan didn't get the rub from him, and that was his biggest feud was Hogan. Yeah, but Hogan, it's different when you're the champion. I think when that's you're true. when you're a guy like Piper who never had a belt really, he never it, did until it, then. It was like 
it's like no, he's doing people a favor even if he's beating them. I like cuz who know. the fuck cares about them unless Roddy Piper is working with them. I don't know. That's... He worked with a lot of weird dudes. He like, did work with a lot of weird dudes, you know. He also campaigned for Virgil all of 1991, so take that for what you will. But... <laughs> I'm just saying Virgil benefits, right? I mean Does he? Bad news brown. Bad news brown. Adrian Adonis. Guys that I don't know. Do they really benefit? I think so. That's a different discussion on a different day. Yeah, I think. I, I'm just saying. I thought it was. I thought it was nice that they gave Piper a title. I That's do all. too. Yeah, like, I'm 100 with you there. It was almost like a an achievement award. Like, yeah. Look, dude, you've done some great work the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Here's your belt, and it was great because then he did truly put someone over on his way out. Right. And it was Brett, and obviously that was a great match. Yeah, Piper's up there. I would say though that WrestleMania eight encapsulates again you brought up jake there yeah. you go we've brought up michaels we've brought up brett wrestlemania 8 kind of has it all yeah and it puts over the new guys and it it, it says farewell to the old guys in a lot of ways it does yeah, yeah exactly we've talked about that too so i'm all for putting wrestlemania 8 on if you're okay with okay. it all right so for number three wrestlemania 8 now one thing at the tail end of 92, the autumn of 1992, mm-hmm. there was a debut. And it wasn't a wrestling debut just yet, but he did debut, and that would be Doink the Clown. <laughs> Are we really going here? I am only going there to let everyone listening know that I didn't forget. <laughs> Doink didn't really start wrestling until early 93 and have his first feud, which was Crush. I know. So we can't put him on, but I wanted to make sure in case Calico Chris or anyone else out yeah. there that really loves Doink. Yes, I know Doink debuted in the fall of 1992. Well, pin a rose on your nose. <laughs> I want to give a guy a little bit of credit because I feel that this is was his... um. His big year as far as like, no, now this guy's a prime time huge superstar now. Okay. The Undertaker. Um, yeah, the you, Underwear Taker. You don't think of it because, you know, I like, here now. You know, I think because people don't think of matches or anything. I don't like but you. There's something that's kind of cool that goes on. The Undertaker turns face in the early part of 92, right? Yep, sure does. He has his match. He beats Jake, right? Mm-hmm. He's involved in the Royal Rumble also. I yeah, he's say. still a heel there. Yep. But, I just want to point out that as much as we don't like the Kamala Undertaker match. No, we don't. Either of them. Um, however, There's two of them. this is one of the first times in my memory I remember the Undertaker being a spectacle and an attraction of large magnitude. So, SummerSlam 92 you're probably talking about, right? Yes. The hearse and all the that. The hearse and all yeah, that. Sure, um, sure. I just feel like the Undertaker was in the first phase of being a phenom, a uh, something an entity, if you will, in the sure. World Wrestling Federation. Sure. Okay. It, it Just a real big deal. Uh, yeah, he was treated as such. Yeah, and nobody was now. He wasn't being built anymore. He just he, was. He had arrived. He had arrived. And, that, and I want to just point that out. Is this the year when The Undertaker is it? I don't know. Maybe. 92 or 93. Yeah. I know that him beating Jake at WrestleMania 8 yeah. was one of the big things that put him over the top I, in 92. Yeah, and, and just, I, again, I know the Kamala thing is not good. It's not good. But it, the spectacle of it is what shows you the drawing power of The Undertaker at that point. You didn't have drawing power. I'll give uh, you that. That crowd was flipping the fuck out like, yeah. when he was coming down with the hearse and I everything. I love The Undertaker. I, they're like, okay, The Undertaker is a big fucking deal now. I think his 92 is akin to Shawn Michaels' 92, where it's where they take their form that they would go on to better heights with mm-hmm. later in their career, mm-hmm. and coincidentally, they both had shitty 93s. Mm-hmm. Like, I know everyone loves Shawn Michaels' 93, but I think it's kind of shitty. 
Yeah, I do too. Like, it's not that good. I love good. Sean too, but I think he's better in 94. He is. Yeah. And so, Even yeah. 95, he's great as a wrestler. Absolutely. Yeah. 95 is when he really becomes, but we digress. Uh, the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 92 is a good year for him, but I wouldn't say that his 92 is better than Ric Flair's or Bret Hart's. No, I would just you know? say that The Undertaker had, had fully formed as a, a thing that the company could bank on. Okay. Um, he was a mainstay player sure. that wasn't going away. Okay, I'll give you that. I will have to throw one more thing out there, and then after that, I think we'll make a decision. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, they did two of the wow. four pay-per-views. Yep, that might make it. That might fill that last spot, because they, holy shit, they are good. They did half the pay-per-views. You know, there's only four. They did the first two. Have they ever met before in a ring? I don't know that. You don't know a lot of things for a broadcast journalist. I didn't care to find out. Oh, How do you like that, Mr. Know-it-all? you have a banana to peel or something? No. But it's not just the pay-per-views, like they're, Challenge they're and challenge. Oh, like, God, they're <laughs> funny on Challenge all year. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, along with Bobby DeBrady. Will you play it? Watch it. Gorilla just tells Bobby to shut up. But right now, we've got action. Here we go. Us men hit more hits than the Beatles. Shut up. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> like, especially Rumble and WrestleMania. Gorilla just... is mad at him from, like, the first <laughs> sentence Bobby utters. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper faces the former champion, Brett the What are you looking for? I'm looking for those big centerfold pinup pictures of Elizabeth that Ric Flair promised to show on those big screens. Don't start! You know, <laughs> Where will you stop? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's in there, uh, yeah. Resident Evil 8. Who cares? Yeah. All the famous quotes that we have from yeah. Gorilla are all from I'll him yelling at Bobby Heenan. out of here. Yeah, all that is him yelling at Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Oh, man, they, are, they make those two pay-per-views. But they also so like much fun. They, they do do challenge all year. They do challenge all year. They're both on the primetime roundtable, which I, we might even talk about later, unfortunately. Mm, mm. But man, those two together, this is their last full year together. Yeah. Because in 93, JR comes in and replaces right. Gorilla on Ugh. challenge. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, so this is really like the apex of Gorilla and Bobby, their last real hurrah, a full year of them. Right. Ugh. Hey, I mean, let's let's recap what we have on here. We have a match on here, which is Rumble 92. Right. We have a wrestler on here, which is Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. We have a pay-per-view on here, which is WrestleMania 8. We have Gorilla and Bobby waiting in the wings. We have Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, The Ladder Match. The Undertaker. The Undertaker. I can go almost any way because there's only four spots. Yeah. Gorilla and Bobby is my nomination because they make those two pay-per-views. Honestly, I'm going to go with that, too. Yeah. I, I, no argument. It's like peak Bobby and Gorilla ninety two. Like it might be maybe ninety one, but like ninety two definitely insane. They're ridiculous. They make those pay per views and the challenges because I've watched a bunch of those. You, know, yeah. you can find them on the interwebs. No, they're somewhere. they're good on anything that they're on. Yep, they're good on anything they're on. They're, they're just they're clicking. Yeah, and it's a, it's a shame that the next year they would be broken up for good. But yeah, it is. It's unfortunate. Except yeah. for Bingo Break when they talked for like eight seconds. Yeah, <laughs> go find that on our YouTube. Yes. The Bingo Break their special thing they were on. So we're in unison here, Quinn, yep. Girl and Bobby? Yep. All right, for number four, Girl Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Mount Rushmore of 1992 is the Royal Rumble match. Randy Savage, in general, start to finish, he had a great year. WrestleMania 8, the best pay-per-view, in our opinion, of 1992. And the commentary team of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. They did a couple of pay-per-views, challenge some other things, too. UK Rampage pay-per-view, you know, yes, a few other Coliseum things. Video. Coliseum video. That's our Mount Rushmore of 1992. Quinn, I'm going to give you one of the worst for the Death Valley here. Sure. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Okay. It's one word. Nails. Oh, no. 
<laughs> Nails! Yeah, well, I mean... Nails! <laughs> he does suck. He is terrible! Look, the the idea is great. Yeah. Boss man! Yeah, <laughs> boss man! Remember his real voice is like, I don't like you, boss man! I don't like you, boss man! <laughs> he sounds like Cindy Lauper. <laughs> he's got the Boston accent. Yeah. He's terrible. <laughs> but now I'm stepping foot in the New England Wrestling Federation! The idea, in theory, is fine. It's like the boss man is a former prison guard, not a cop! I like how they just decide to remember that when yeah. Nails shows up. <laughs> yeah, from 88 to 92, he's a cop. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when there's a former inmate, no, never mind, he's a prison guard. Yeah. And uh, the whole angle here is that there's an inmate that was abused by Bossman when he was a prison guard. Now, of so, course. Uh, explain to me again why the Bossman is the face here. He shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Because he, he was. He beat this man up in jail when yes. he was like in chains and a prisoner. And if you recall, when Bossman came in in 88, he was a heel. Yeah. So he was a bad guy. Right. Right? I mean, Bossman so, wasn't well, good back then. What exactly is good about Bossman here? Nothing. But what I don't get is we have this escaped convict, I guess, or he got out of jail. He's, no, not, he's escaped. not escaped. He served his sentence. He just, I don't know, he likes to still wear the gear. Or I something. was wondering, like, this is. They do say he was, like, officially released. He got out? Yeah. Okay. It's not like that. Because he's still wearing his jumpsuit. If he escaped, how did the cops not show up at every match and, like, you arrest know, him? Where's like, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. you know? I don't care! The problem is not the idea. I like the idea in theory. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a former convict. He's an asshole. Right. Uh, he claims boss man abused him. Great. He's a big, imposing guy. The problem is that the guy that played him is one of the worst wrestlers I've <laughs> ever seen in my entire life. Like on the planet. Yeah, like literally. Yeah. Like him and Giant Gonzalez had a match, and I think the world exploded in Japan or wherever this was because <laughs> of it. I don't understand how this guy is so bad at wrestling. I don't understand he's, either, Joe. He's he's terrible. It w- this could have been such a good mid-card storyline. Do you think it sunk the boss man? Yeah! Really? I think it's part of it because the angle was great. He emerges from the crowd. He beats the crap out of him with a nightstick. Boss man's off TV <laughs> selling injuries. It's in the magazine. It's like, holy shit, this guy beat a boss man. Right? Then you see him wrestle, and I can wrestle better than that! <laughs> His finisher is a choke. Well, okay. I don't have a problem with that. Leave it to Quinn to defend no, the finisher. For a convict like character, yes. that makes sense. Are you saying all convicts choke people? No, I just mean that he should be rough around the edges, like that he's not a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's okay. Think about it. Okay, if, he, okay. if he's just an ex-con that has an axe to grind with the big boss man, yeah. why should he be like, why should his finisher be like a power slam yeah, or like, something? Or like some wrestling move. <laughs> well, why is Jack Tunney giving him a wrestling license? I don't know. Never fucking again. Never fucking. Well, didn't they like, was there an angle where they were going to ban him or something? Because he was bad. At, like, be, he was like. Just, at wrestling, yes, he was no, very no, no, bad at it. Because he was just really like fucked up or something. I don't know. I don't know. The problem I have is that he sucked in the ring. I <laughs> like the angle. I The wrestler's terrible. Even the promos with the voice changer. Yeah. Boss man. They're, they're good. Right. The promos are fine in that voice. Not his real voice. <laughs> but the problem is that the guy can't freaking wrestle. And then... Why we- did the Mountie never try to arrest him either? Yeah, the what the hell? I don't like him! Uh, I, I mean, say what you will about the Mountie. And I know this is, I, I'm digressing a lot here, but... That's quite all right. It's, it's just We're funny because, males. like, shouldn't the boss man and the Mountie team up to take out a convict? Yeah, you would think so. Right, but- like, they have a common interest. They don't... Like when people mess with the law. But the Mountie's a little corrupt, I think, is the implication, right? Well, yeah, no, is no. he? 
He might not be. Last Scott Keith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. The problem is this nightstick match they have at Survivor Series 1992 yeah. is god-awful. <laughs> I mean, it's really bland yeah, and boring. Remember bad. that? The nightstick yeah, match? Yes, and- I remember it. Nails kind of no sells the whole thing. I hate just, it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. I, I yeah. Nails sucks. He real in a year of good stuff. He is bad. He's really bad. Yeah. He's he's legitimately very very bad at wrestling. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I okay. agree. For number one, nails. Die die die. What are you thinking, Michael? What about Skinner? No, Skinner's great. I what are know you talking you love about? Skinner, come on, he's but good. Joe, he sucks. No, Skinner's fine. Oh, come on. What is wrong with Skinner? He's sloppy and terrible. He's fantastic. He's not good in the ring. Steve Kern is a great wrestler. I, you love Steve Kern, but I've never seen a good Skinner match in my life. As Skinner. What what t- explain to me why he is such a good wrestler? You see the thing with Skinner. <laughs> He's not meant to have good matches, Quinn. He's just meant to. Doesn't excuse be... why they were pushing him. He was pushed, Joe. Well, he lost to Owen Hart at WrestleMania eight and uh, a minute. I know, but I mean, they were acting like he was a big deal or something. Bret Hart had TV. a good enough match against Skinner at Tuesday in Texas. <sighs> Boom! God. Got him! Got him! Fucking Skinner. That was ninety-one, though. I don't know why you love him so much. I don't know. Okay, can we, how about this? Is worse. This is worse. And then I'm going to package all of it together. Okay. It's, it's four things: hawk, animal. Paul Ellering, Rocco. It's in. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh I, my God. I want you. Dude, <laughs> Rocco. I want Rocco. Quinn has a. And I'm I, sorry to Skinner, by the way, that I even thought about him before this. <laughs> because, damn it, this is bad. Now, if you're newer to the show, folks, Quinn does not like the Legion of Doom. No. The Legion uh, of Dumb. It, it stems from them coming out at SummerSlam 90 and looking at um, <laughs> Demolition. <laughs> And causing them to lose. Yeah, it's causing them to lose. Quinn does not like Paul Ellering. I very much don't like Paul Ellering. What's your imitation of him? I am good. <laughs> like, he doesn't do anything. He's so he annoying. He's a karate gi or a suit and just he's fucking annoying. how great he is. How, how he's smart like he is and stuff. manager of champions. All the tag teams out there ask themselves this question. Is the going up worth the coming down? I don't know. And what then, is he managing? <laughs> they come out and they just, you know, doomsday device and win. Like, they don't do anything. What Are they practicing doomsday device on jabronis all day and, like, he's the taskmaster in this? I don't understand what he does. Uh, Quinn does not like Ellery, which I'm okay with. He's and- supposed to be some mysterious wrestling expert. I've never heard of him before this. <laughs> like, did he, was he a world champion anywhere or something? Maybe of karate. Yeah. And, uh, I don't understand. We throw on top of that package there is that they find uh, this uh, ventriloquist dummy in the mm-hmm. charred remains of like their old house or something, even though they didn't. Wait, is that really the story? Yeah. Even though they didn't grow up together, they're not like brothers. They just they knew claim each to other. They though. It's not real. Yeah. So they find their old ventriloquist dummy, and that is what enables them to have a better hope. What? That's what gives them their motivation. Is that Paul Ellering sits here with this with his hand up the dummy's ass mm-hmm. and makes it talk and then Hawk and Animal want to fight more or something. I'm going to count down from five and you're going to put die, die, die. Okay. okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Die, die, die. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. So you've talked about Skinner. Now, I'm not, <laughs> look, I'm not going to say that that's good. However, there is something that I'm not a big fan of that started up. But this is late 92, because late 92 is when things started to get bad. Well, that's when 93 starts yeah. to rear its ugly head. And in that vein, 
I present to you Max Moon. Max Moon, huh? <laughs> yes. <sighs> okay. I think it's stupid. Yes. Yes, it is. Do I think it's the worst? I'm not sure. Okay. Because to me, he's kind of just a jobber. Like, I, I never think of him like some big deal or anything. When he was a space costume man from the future, <laughs> that it was Paul Diamond. Yeah, I know. It was supposed to be Conan, but it yeah, was Paul I Diamond. I know, I know. It was supposed to be Conan, and but it was, was Paul like Conan Diamond. once or something. He was, yeah, it was like Conan for like a tryout or something like that, yeah. right? The problem that I have is why go through this elaborate costume, this elaborate character of like, he's a spaceman from the future, Jess, or whatever, and then he just doesn't ever do anything. I'll tell you, there's, there's I'll tell you one, one, thing. one reason. Go ahead. 1993. That's why, because that year is happening soon, and that's what they do then. Okay. Seriously, like, that's why. All right. That was their concept of the future, is we're going to have everyone be, like, trash men and hockey players and yeah. people from space. I just didn't get that. It was there just... was a team from the year 2000 in 1995. Yeah, Techno Team 2000. Yeah, exactly. Great team. See where I'm coming from? Like, that this was coming, like, this was just where they were going, and that's the reason. Yeah. What about Razor Ramon? You know, I'm torn on this because I think the vignettes are pretty good. Man, the chicas, they're for fun. But I the think vignettes a, are good. I yeah. don't think he's a good wrestler in 1992. He's crap. Yeah, he's really shitty. He really, like, shits up the whole Flair Savage scene. I don't know why he's there. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. What the hell was that? Wait, wasn't that supposed to be something else? No, the warrior was supposed to be there instead of perfect. That's all it was. Oh, okay. It was always going to be Flair and Ramon against Savage and Warrior. Wait, wait, wait. It wasn't going to be Flair versus Flair and Perfect versus Savage and Warrior. No, it was going to be Flair and Doesn't Razor that make Ramon. A hundred times more sense based off like SummerSlam '92 and all that shit. No, it was going to be Flair and Razor Ramon. Why? Because Razor Ramon came out of the crowd in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Okay. When Ric Flair won the title yeah. back for Randy Savage. Uh, no. And he helped Ric Flair win it. And then he was his friend of Ric Flair. And they were going to. Why fl- do Ric Flair and Razor Ramon have anything to do I with don't each other? Know. They're complete polar opposites. That's my problem with Razor Ramon in 92. He's dicking around in that feud. You know what's odd about that? Yeah. In a year where they were like creatively on fire, that's a really stupid pairing. Like that it's- is really dumb. Exactly. And that's what I think of when I think of 1992 Razor Ramon, yeah. is that era. Listen, it would have made more sense if, like, Greg the Hammer Valentine <laughs> came out and helped Ric Flair regain the title. Well, they were tag partners in the 70s. And they kind of look like each other, except one's fatter. <laughs> yeah, one looks like a mom. Yeah. Greg Valentine looks like a soccer mom. like if Ric Flair, <laughs> Ric Flair's wife looked exactly like him. It's like, yeah, can, it's like if Ric Flair drove a caravan. Yeah. Like soccer Rick, practice. <laughs> Drank five alive yeah. juice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> eight hostess. All right. Yeah. So, you know what I will say is not good throughout mm-hmm. 1992. What? I want to like them, but you've kind of opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. Money Inc. isn't that good. They aren't very good. I hate to break it to everyone, but they're kind of a shitty tag team. They're really not that good of a and tag team. I think team. most of it's because of Rotunda. It's like almost DiBiase has to like tone down to like <laughs> so that they can be just as boring as him or something. Yeah, because IRS, like, I get it that he's playing up that he's boring. Like, he's boring anyway. Yeah. But he's playing it up right. as a tax man. I get it. That, yeah, it that, we get it. That doesn't make it good. 
he can at least be like heartless or something and like pretty evil. You know what I mean? Instead of like, yeah. you don't do your taxes. <laughs> it's like he's like somebody like nagging you. Like, hey, April 15th's coming up. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The most dastardly thing he does in 92 is put his feet on the ropes, you know? Put his glasses on. <laughs> he's annoying. Jameson was there in 92. But I don't we kind of like him listen, now. Listen, I like. I've always kind of liked Jameson. What? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Just give me one minute alone with that genius. I'm gonna thrash him. Have you really? You know, I joked in that episode where we talked about Jameson, how like I don't understand why he's there, but there's some weird charm to how just bizarre he is. Okay, fine. at the same time, it makes me laugh. Okay, I, to the point where I can't say definitively he is like Death Valley horrible. Okay, fair enough. I have another one. What? I have a, I have one that you're really not going to like. Okay. Crush. He yes. comes back in he 92. Sucks. Tell me why. I just, I hate the orange crush so much. <laughs> He's so goofy and doofy Brother. and stupid. Again, this is a guy where they act like he's like the future of the company. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crush. Like, really? It's that other guy in Demolition when they had the shitty music. Right. Like, why is he so good? Like, please tell me because I don't get it. He doesn't seem like a threat, and then a clown is better than him. So fuck him. Fuck him. Is he, is he a contender? He is a contender. Oh, Crush is really crappy. I'm trying yeah. to think of worse, like, well, you don't like Tatanka. He's there all year. Okay, so the thing with Tatanka in 92 is he's got the white pants. For and some of it, He's yes. like nobody, and Bobby just makes fun of Lumpy all the time. And that's, <laughs> that's basically all Tatanka is. They're Lumpy, not Lumpy. Oh, you said Lumpy. lumpy. They're from North Carolina. He's Lumpy. He hasn't formally offended me yet. Okay. However, he is shitty, and he has that weird feud with Rick Martell over the feathers. There is the feather feud. Yeah. What bothers you about Tatanka? It's just like Chief J Strongbow version two. That's what they at were that, going for. At that for. point, it's nothing. It's not creative or anything. Well, he's a real Native American, at least, unlike Jay Strongbow. He's not Italian. No, he's not Italian like Jay Strongbow is. It's just stupid, and what a waste of Rick Martell by the by that point. That's one of the sadder points. It wouldn't make Death Valley, but one of the sadder things of 92 yeah. is Rick Martell. It's not like he was like out of shape or couldn't wrestle anymore. No. I don't know. It's just like I put over this Native American guy. Yeah. I don't know who's going to make it. We got two spots left. You know what's really crappy? What? want to talk about crappy. Hogan Sid, WrestleMania 8. Because the finish okay. is botched, the match is let me, bad. Let me propose one here. Yeah, go Joseph. ahead. Yeah. What about the fact, just the fact that Hogan versus Flair didn't happen? Okay. That's bullshit. That's that's fine, because yeah. we've talked about that before, how right. that really would have made sense. Right. It's literally the biggest match of the year. It would have been. You, if you think about it. It's the match everybody wants to see. And they yes. just don't do it because some house show didn't draw what they wanted to draw when no house shows were drawing in the first place. That's my point. It's bullshit. What was drawing? Maybe if you promoted this feud I'm properly gonna, I'm gonna for tell a few you, months. I'm going to tell you yeah. a little secret. Here. Okay, go ahead. It didn't happen because Hogan didn't want to lose. Ooh, I think I'm you might sorry. be onto something. That's literally the only logical explanation. Because, I buy that. Because Ric Flair loses to everyone. He doesn't That's care. Like, he does. So it's not that. <laughs> You're right. Vince McMahon just wants to make money, so he's going to take whatever the fuck result. True. And Hogan never wants to lose. Okay. Maybe somebody said to him, what if you lost? Yeah. And he got all in a huff and said, brother, this match isn't happening. No more prima donnas. 
you might have something here. God forbid he loses a match. Jesus H. Hogan, as Scott Keith once said. You know, it's unfortunate. Say what you will. Maybe you think that WrestleMania is fine as it is. I mean, it's great. Yeah. But it's still unfortunate that the WWF never got a Hogan Flair pay-per-view proper match. Yeah, That's all I'm like saying. Even like Saturday Night's main event, anything. Yeah. The best we got was a televised MSG that like they didn't put too much hype or the, build into. The best we got, honestly, was a tag team match with Sid. Oh, God, with Beefcake. That's another thing that I hate about 92. Yeah. Beefcake floating around like, I'm a lady. Yeah. As I lay there in the bed and I saw you laying in the bed there next to me and your big was pumping that right into my man. You want to put the whole Hogan Flair angle in? Not, or lack thereof. Lack thereof. Yeah. Okay. For number three, Hogan should have fought Flair. Yeah. Die, die, die. (laughs) Okay, so what about Ray Combs? Because that's a survey. Nah, I like him. He's funny. (laughs) It's a survey. Ah, don't get on Ray Combs' case. It's only in the survey. It's the survey. It's the survey. Papa Shango, the voodoo angle, the goo, the people throwing up. The now, warrior goo. How, okay, hold on a Papa second. Papa I the reason is I worse did, than Crush. The reason I didn't bring this up what? is because I thought that this happened in 1991. No, Shango wasn't there until right around WrestleMania 8. So the warrior puking thing? That's did, 92. Oh, You're thinking of the warrior snakes thing. Oh, the other weird thing. That's what it is. Okay, because that's what I wanted to nominate was the warrior like puking, but I wasn't oh, yeah. sure. Oh, no, no, that's that 92. Earlier. That's, that's going in. The goo? Yeah. the goo? Yeah, where he like bled black or something. On a white jacket that he never wore. <laughs> yeah. He's lucky like he wasn't a wearing a baseball cap, member's too. Member's only coat yeah. on. Yeah. That. The Papa Shango character. Look, I'm not. It's goofy. Doesn't make it good, though. Okay, there's good goofy. gosh. <laughs> yeah. And there's bad goofy. Something wrong here. Papa Shango was bad, Goofy. More just, like doo-doo. Just as, a, just as an aside, yeah. who do you think's worse? Yeah. Papa Shango or the Boogeyman? Define worse. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Just uh, like top of your head, who's worse? Papa Shango's worse. I'll tell you why. Interesting. I'll okay. tell you why, though. Okay. Because okay? the Boogeyman is only supposed to be what he is. Like he's just a joke character. He's supposed to be like the Boogeyman. Like yeah. Ugh, worms. Yeah. yeah creepy like you don't mind when he right. shows up at like wrestlemania once a year in a battle right. or something papa shango was treated like a threat yeah like this guy's gonna beat the ultimate warrior mm-hmm. he wound up just being fucking nothing and leaving in 93 because he was so <laughs> shit and then he became a godfather and all this stuff after and he was and uh, melted down the undertaker's urn yeah after all that but anyway yeah regarding 92 this was shit real bad yes real and, real bad and, the only reason I have held off from bringing it up is because I thought it was 91 because of the whole snake thing. That was thing. snake. That was a different yeah. thing that the warrior got. So this was in between 8 and, and SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah. The old little warrior's always in these like freaking X-Files storylines. Like, What's <laughs> going on over there? Well, it's because of his character. I mean, he's a guy that talks about like yeah. solar systems and <laughs> the heavens. And I guess he brings it upon himself. Huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, if he wants to screw with that kind of shit, <laughs> you get what you, you get what you, you sow, you reap what you sow. Right? You said it, Quinn. Yeah. You want to put this whole Shango Warrior thing in? Yes. All right. Yes, I think that's so. It. I really thought it was in 1991 the whole time. I'm glad we recovered there yeah. and were able to remember that because yeah. that is really stupid. Yeah. For number four, Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior the Goo. Die, die, die. <laughs> that's for Death Valley. For 1992, we have Nails. 
The LOD with right. Rocco and Paul Ellering. The fact that Hogan didn't fight Flair. Yeah, what? What? Ever in yeah. 92, right? And then the Shango Warrior debacle. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of 1992. We want to know yours because I'm sure you're going to have differing opinions or you're going to think of stuff that we simply forgot. You could reach us at OVP Podcast on Twitter, email us, or join the Facebook group. But when we come back, we're going to stay in 1992, but we're going down south for a different promotion. Back after this. We're back in the Open Warriors dressing room, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, he is suffering severe abdominal pain. The attending physician there. He's got a puke! He's got a puke! He's got a puke! He's got a puke! Unfortunately. Look at that the ringside. This is unfortunate. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Wrestling Fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. As we alluded to, Quinn, we're revealing something. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And this is also from 1992, but it's not WWF in 1992. Not at all. We're hopping off the WWF train for a couple episodes here because we've been going so hard with all the WrestleMania crap. Right. It's time to get into the nitty and gritty. Yeah, there's the, some grit. The stuff that... um. Dreams you know, we're are known of. for yes. these weird shows. Stuff that we haven't ever delved into before. Now, this isn't necessarily a weird show. This isn't, but it's something you and I have never watched, this specific episode. Yeah. And it's also a time period that we are not connoisseurs of. Right. Although, I want to get into it because I really enjoy this time period. It is a good time period, folks. And what we're reviewing here is WCW Saturday night, April 25th, 1992. And I'll quick backstory this and we'll get right to it here. Saturday night was their flagship program on WTBS, and it had been for years Yep, under the Georgia Championship Wrestling banner and then under the World Championship Wrestling television show name. Mm-hmm. On April 4th, 1992, only a few weeks prior, yes. it was rebranded as WCW Saturday Night. And you may have noticed on the network that they have recently updated up- Loaded like the first one of this rebrand. Yes. And this is also when Jesse the Body first showed up. Yes, it was. He debuted on the first episode, I believe, anyway. Yes, he did. He did. And uh, we're only a couple of weeks in here. So we're just, I always like to give you a counterbalance. The WWF is just coming off of WrestleMania 8, which we just spoke about, coincidentally. Right. This is what WCW is up to. Let's delve right in. You can find this on the WWE Network. That's where we took it from. Mm-hmm. We get a cold open, actually, with clips from the Super Brawl 2 press conference. Yes. Where Nikita Koloff attacked the Dangerous Alliance. And then later in the ring, Sting was saved from an attack by Nikita Koloff. Right. Which is weird because we'll find out other things that Nikita Koloff yes. has done to Sting. So yes. it's like, huh? It's like, huh? Yeah. Um, this is what Quinn and I call the talk show era of WCW yeah, Saturday Night. It feels a lot like they are taking cues from what Primetime did. Ugh. Yeah. Why would... Why would they want to do that? I don't get it. Here's the thing is I can see from their perspective that this seemed like a unique, interesting idea and that maybe they could do it better because they had a television background in producing. Dare I say they do it better. 
They do. They kind of do it better. Than Primetime Variety Show or Tuesday Night Titans? The set, I have to give them credit. Yeah. The color scheme and stuff they chose to make it like a talk show. Yes. It feels like more like an Arsenio or a Leno. It does, and that's a good point because Missy Hyatt is our announcer for the very beginning here. Right, and they even <laughs> talk show it up like yeah. the, the way they do this. Like he's like she's Ed McMahon. Yeah, she's like, hi, I'm Missy Hyatt, yeah. and our host for tonight is better than Jay Leno, Letterman, and Arsenio. It's Jim Ross. And by the way, yep. you know what I am grateful about this show with? That's all of Missy Hyatt we get. That's a good point. Yeah. I was I was like, oh shit, really? <laughs> we have to deal with her again? We finally come off the WWF stuff and back into this world and it's Missy, Missy Hyatt. Hyatt just right there. Now, I, and she's also dressed very like normal, like yes. not like slutty or anything. No. Like I, I was like, this of is, the time. This is tame and nice. Tame. Like, no weird stuff with Missy Hyatt. She's just there to say, yep. howdy, y'all, yeah. and then that's it. No more. And then JR storms in, and of course, this is happy WCW JR. She's like, hi, everybody, I'm JR. Yeah. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. Fans, we got an outstanding broadcast. Stings in the hospital until May 17th for Wrestle War. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> like... That he's getting he, out he, just in time, just, right? He, he, he and the way he describes, it, like, it's got broken ribs and a, a lacerated face and a, a rectal bone. I don't know, like, <laughs> rectal he just, bone. Wow, he just keeps saying Impressive. like bones and breakages and stuff. And is like, a spleen? Like he was like hit by a truck or something. Like you yeah, know, know, like he acts like something really bad happened to him, but he just kind of just got a splash from Vader. I think, or <laughs> yeah, something. it was something like that, wasn't yeah. it? So uh, I have to mention too, this was a request for us to do this specific episode. Right. Uh, requested by a good friend on the other side of the pond, Richard Land. Mm-hmm. Chaps. Crikey, Quinn, because JR brings out his guest co host, the one and only <laughs> Bill Fralick. Uh, but you guys screwed me on this. I, one. I knew this was yes. You knew this. <laughs> I did. And Richard knew this. <laughs> you know how I always talk about Falco over here. Falco, I love this that you call him Falco. Fucker, he never okay. goes away, Joe. So I want you to briefly explain for maybe some of our new listeners here, what's your problem with Bill Fralick in wrestling? So this guy, he shows up at the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal Football Player Edition yep. thing with yep. Too Tall and all that <laughs> in the refrigerator. <laughs> And he like takes command. Like he, he thinks he's so good. He cuts promos and he and he just he thinks he's the biggest thing around. First of all, I've never fucking heard of Bill Frail. Like <laughs> the, is he good like was he a good football was he a I think he quarterback was. or something? No, he was a defensive guy, I think. Right really? guard or something. He yeah, looks he was like guard. a quarterback. He does look like a quarterback. He stinks at talking though, but then he also appears at the body slam challenge for Yokozuna. Right. So again, <laughs> this is a guy that just won't go away. I th- he's worse than like Mongo because at least Mongo is entertaining. Bill Frelick is just bland. He sucks at talking. Uh, I really like the WCW. Well, I'll tell you, Jim, it's my honor to be here. I've been a big fan of WCW for a long time and been a friend of yours. He says he's been a big fan forever or something, and I'm like, really? I, 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 so. I highly doubt you knew what this was. You're just like, oh, another wrestling company yeah. wants to do business with me? That sounds interesting. I'll do that. So Quinn's in for quite a ride because Fralick appears throughout this show. Uh, oh boy, yes he does. But first, let's let's cut to what Quinn thinks is cool, but I think is very dubiously dressed Barry Windham. I think he looks awesome. Like I, It's not Widowmaker. He's got where, the glasses on. Yeah, he looks awesome. He looks really cool. And it's it's odd that 
Wyndham was like on vacation in WWF a few <laughs> yeah. years prior. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like, why does he suck when he's not in WCW? That's a good point. Anytime he's in WWF, he stinks. <laughs> like true. he's in the US Express. That wasn't very he's good. The Widowmaker. Widowmaker. And then he's like the stalker. In like the stalker and he has pajama pants on. <laughs> Remember when he just wears the Survivor Series shirt? To Survivor Series. With no face paint yeah. as the stalker. What even is he there? <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. I, I swear. I just, anytime he's outside of WCW, no good. But in WCW, he is very good. Right. Attire notwithstanding. And then we cut to Stunning Steve, speaking of him, and Paulie Dangerously. Austin talks like Austin, but he's got like the red Greg Valentine robe on. You know, I told the world a few weeks ago that I would be the greatest world television champion ever. So JR and Freilich are back. They talk about football, and I'm like, I'm actually serious. Jerry's like, so tell me what's going on in the world of football. Yes, he actually has him like brief him yes. on like what's going on in the NFL. I'm like, the fans, Joe, are like muttering because they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. They're like, huh? <laughs> like, they're like, what is. Is this wrestling or is this a talk show? Yeah. Like, what what are we here for? Freilich's talking about how he wants to wrestle and Quinn's like, yeah, he thinks he's so good. He really does. He does. He thinks he's great. He thinks he's one of the greatest football players ever and he's just going to walk into the wrestling and be world champion or something. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> I I, that's what you get the gist. I know. He thinks him. he's great. Yeah. Then he does a comparison that I would have never thought of. He compares Scotty Flamingo. That's Raven, of course, Johnny mm-hmm. Polo to Deion Sanders, Quinn. What? Yeah, I've always compared the two of them. They're so similar. Yeah, they're they're exactly the same. Scotty cuts a good promo about how he's rich. He's basically Johnny Polo. It's the same character. Oh like, yeah, I'm rich and I've never worked a day in my life. And I bought my I bought my degree. And then he does like a rap. Yeah, he does like a rhyme. He does like beat poetry. It's like he has like actual ADD, I think, and it's very like Scott apparent Levy. when yeah. he cuts um, a promo as the hyper character. I love when he does the hyper character. He's so good actually at inter- talking. It's actually interesting that he was able to pull the Raven character off so effectively <laughs> because like if you've ever heard him talk in real life, he really does like he's all over the place. Yeah. I always like seeing Scotty Flamingo like in this era because we saw him in a, in Global also. <laughs> With the dress. Yeah. He's such an entertaining character. Yes. He, he really, really he could have been uh, such, More. A, such a big deal if only had Raven had left ECW earlier. I this think guy, that's it, yeah. this guy had had it all. Like he had everything. He was like the like a five tool player in wrestling. He basically. actually was because he had the mind for the business. Right, great talker, great look, great in good worker. Shape. Yeah. He could rest. He, he had it all. And he was a good manager. He, yeah. he could do everything. Good commentator yeah. or funny commentator anyway. Yeah. Producer backstage. Yep. One of the true unheralded, like just multi-talented, multi-tool players in the business. I was saying when we were watching the Hall of Fame, I was like, this that's a guy. Yeah. If anybody should have been the first ECW inductee, it was him. Yeah, I would put like, him in before the double. He doubles. is literally like one of the best all contributors to yeah. wrestling from that group absolutely is and here's his polar opposite he's fighting firebreaker chip <laughs> why yes, another great contributor to <laughs> yes. wrestling firebreaker chip referee here is peewee anderson chip stinks as always and what a terrible name you said Quinn. yeah like, I, did he break fires did he chip the fires <laughs> i i don't understand is he like a fire chip what is a what is a firebreaker what is that it does, it's a firefighter not a firebreaker <laughs> what is a Fire I think because his name was Chip, they wanted to have something like break, like breaking. 
in his name. Are you serious? That sounds like what they went for because they couldn't call him Firefighter Chip. But they didn't have to call him Chip either. <laughs> they could have called him anything. They were going to call him Chip. <laughs> you, know the, was... you know the Chip part was there already, but the Firefighter part was probably like, well, what do we do with that? <laughs> like, that was obviously later. Yeah, well, this is the Kip Allen Fry era of WCW for the record Kip here. Kip and Chip. Yeah, Kip and Chip. Oh. Uh, we get a monkey flip by Chip and a bad <laughs> clothesline. By the way, I need to mention here two things. JR is solo on commentary and also Chip is kind of dressed like 1993 Hulkamania era Brutus Beefcake Ugh. with the red and the yellow tights. Horrible. Double underhook Sue play by Scotty and he tosses Chip to the outside. The crowd is mildly interested. I have to give credit to Chip. I liked his <laughs> monkey flip earlier. You like Chip's flip? Yeah, chip slip was good. Oh, that's that's he great. Flip that chip. That's terrific. You mean Muffy Buffy Fluffy? <laughs> and Biff Cliff and Griff. <laughs> Sounds terrific. Chip has definitely been chipping in on some steroids, by the way, oh, with someone. Yeah. Seriously. Not hair club for men, though. No, <laughs> his hair is bad. He has yeah. big bolts, but yeah. Scotty with some stomps, and Quinn, you said, well, this is a match. Yeah, it's there, all right. <laughs> Very much a match. <laughs> chip makes a comeback with a big power slam, but pile driver by Scotty gets Just the win. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm happy with that. Finisher. Yes. I, I don't want to see Chip ever win matches. No, nope. so. sorry, Chip. Did, did we ever remember who the guy Chip was tag team with? I don't it was know. like it, it was like Policeman Brick or yeah, something. Inspector like, Jones, uh, Inspector yeah, Gadget. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember, but I don't really care to remember either. For a second, I thought it was Marcus you. Alexander Bagwell. It wasn't, but it would make sense. Yeah, if it, it was. might have been. It could they, have been. They might have teamed in some other way folks if you know please let us know <laughs> we'll need the uh best the the professional history of <laughs> wrestling WCW. or whatever come on graham get on yeah. there eric bischoff is here with the wcw magazine update sting is injured Quinn, yeah. you don't like the magazine on tv concept too I much i don't like it because like allegedly they're telling me stuff that's gonna be in the magazine right and, like why would i buy the magazine if i could just watch the television programming <laughs> it's stupid but to be fair to them mm-hmm this seemed hip and cool. And on top of that, you need to figure out a way to tell people like the news in wrestling. Right, like a vehicle to do so, right? Right. So it's not like I'm going to like crap on WCW for also going the magazine route because it, it accomplishes two things. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's true. I can remember WWF doing it as far back as 86-ish with uh, or maybe even earlier, but I definitely remember the Craig DeGeorge version yeah. where he's like flipping oh, there's through. There's a Lord Alfred version or yeah. than that. So I just remember Craig being like, hi everybody, I'm reading the magazine. Yeah, so this is one of those cases where I was, I'm annoyed at the concept, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to like crap on WCW because there's nothing inherently wrong with this idea and if it works it works just do it that way like they need to sell magazines too very good point Quinn yeah Big Van Vader is here to gloat about how Sting stinks the myth is over Vader's the uncrowned champion Quinn you said to me you like Vader I just like him I like him too I mean he's just there's nothing to hate about Vader no especially now not as a I mean he's a heel you're supposed to hate him but you know as the performer the performer he's just really good at his job Big Leon yeah we love him he taunts Sting about being in the hospital he's like does it hurt Sting. <laughs> I understand you went to the hospital, Sting. Did it hurt? He's also not wearing a shirt. It's funny, yeah. It's funny, <laughs> Vader like doing a baby voice yeah. like to mock Does someone. It hurt? Like, what is he from? Like 1990? Yeah. Like, <laughs> such a weird like thing. <laughs> Stung a little baby. Google Gaga. At Wrestle War. This uh, this blew my mind because I like I said I'm yeah. not a connoisseur of this time period. Right, the U.S. tag team champions. <laughs> remember those? Yeah, the other tag. Why? I don't know. It's so weird that there was two tag titles. Greg the Hammer Valentine and what? his partner, the Taylor Made Man, who is Terry Taylor, literally dressed like Ted DiBiase, like exactly the same. 
Ugh, they're they're going to be fighting the Freebirds. And I don't remember them ever being a tag team or champions ever. Good Lord, I hope the Freebirds win that. Yeah, because yeah. I don't remember this either. Valentine was just in the Rumble. Yeah, like two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, what like, is this? Did, didn't a lot of people, wasn't there like an exodus in 1992? Right after the Rumble, even Hercules, Warlord, yeah. uh, a lot of guys were out. Yeah. Huh. Let's cut to DDP. This is really funny. <laughs> Bischoff sets it up nicely. And you know, because Bischoff and DDP notoriously were like big friends. Yes. You know that they're handing this off to oh each other. God. Like that this was totally like, you're going to say this, Eric. I'm yeah, going to say this. this like, this is pretty good. So Bischoff's like, we're going to go to a clip of DDP when he was handed the news that he is not allowed to be on TV. And we got to, pr- <laughs> he says, we got to prove it to show just this part. Just this part. He's allowed to be on this part. Yeah. So then we just cut to DDP in front of a green screen, hamming it up. He's like, what? This is a beep. You know, yeah. like he's getting censored all over the place. He's yelling at Kip Allen Fry. Yeah. What? K. Allen Fry says I can't be on TV. And then they come back to Bischoff and he's like, I love to see a loud mouth like that. Get his like, you know, like these two, like it was Bischoff and DDP having a, like a lot of yeah, fun with that. You could tell they had fun and with it. And because it's one of those com- camaraderie things too, because Bischoff isn't like high tier in, no, the, in no. the pecking order. It's just two guys working and like they liked each other. They just like, like each other, right. Yeah. And they're just having fun. Yeah. And then Steve Austin takes a question from a fan. Her question is, you know, why Louise. don't you- Louise, thank you. Yeah. Why don't you leave the Dangerous Alliance? And his response is, you're a silly bag or something like that. <laughs> Louise, you silly bag. Buy the magazine. Bottom right. line is get this freaking WCW magazine, which I had two issues of and they <laughs> I were, didn't have any one was from 96 one was from 98 it sucked <laughs> the WWF magazine head and shoulders above why was the rest it, can I ask you a question because I've never even seen one like yeah. why was it better I don't know it just was I can't <laughs> it's everything it, about WWF uh, is better yeah but I mean like a magazine's a magazine like what could possibly be worse about it like in all fairness not all magazines are created equal Michael <laughs> We're back. There's glossy pictures. <laughs> like I don't get it. It was it was fine, but it wasn't great. Okay, let okay. me just put it this way: it wasn't it wasn't as good as WWF. But we're back with Jr. and Fralick, <laughs> and they introduce uh, uh, Nikita Koloff in his snazzy shirt. There, terrible shirt, really. <laughs> Very of the times. Yeah, Fralick asked Nikita, "Why are you back?" <laughs> this is this whole situation, <laughs> so and I, you're I'm, you're going to go through it, but yeah. it is. It starts off like boring and then gets intriguing and then you're like confused by right. the end of it. Like it's just a strange segment. And it's, it's actually long. like it sucked me in though. I was actually interested. Yeah, no, it, it was good. It's just long. Yeah. So basically Nikita says, first of all, that he likes Bill Fralick, big fan of his. He yep. doesn't even answer his question. Right. Then we get a clip of Nikita with his do-rag uh attacking Lex Luger at the end of last year. Now, you had to explain this to me because I was like, so is Nikita a heel no because he attacked luger and please luger was a you explain this to me but you explain the real reason so luger had wrestled last on february 29th at super brawl and uh, he was a heel at that point he had turned heel i think in 91 he had just cut the milk promo at right. wrestlemania 8 a few weeks earlier which was in our rush more this week yes and um he has now joined the uh world bodybuilding yes, federation not officially in the wwf so, of course, they're going to just throw in any opportunity to crap on Lex Luger. That's what right. it is. So, yeah, that's why I was confused why, like, he just fucking attacked Luger, like, yeah. seemingly, like, the way they clip it, he looks like the heel. And then he explains himself. He doesn't like Luger because Luger cares about one thing, himself. And the crowd is like, yeah. you're right, Nikita. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we like you. You're a wrestler. But Nikita does respect someone, Quinn, and that person is Sting. Yes. Now, what's funny here is the crowd is kind of just mumbling amongst themselves like it's one of the old Hall of Fames or something. Yeah, yeah. They're just like rowdy. People are getting food or something. (laughs) Nikita brings up Lithuania and how he's from there. 
Spoiler yeah. alert, he's not. Yeah. Frelick doing nothing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, what the hell? He's just like, uh. He asked one question at the beginning, and then he just, like, stood there like a fool. <laughs> sucks. Nikita brings up uh, how Magnum's car accident was a major turning point in uh, Nikita's life back in 86. This is weird, because yeah. don't they clip to, like, stuff from, like, 87 <laughs> or do. something? They're using history here. Yeah. He says that Dusty Rhodes helped change his life. And also, Sting's fan, Big Ben, is best friends with him now. Yes, so... This was weird. So they show this clip. They had just shown this clip of, like, Nikita attacking Sting when he was hanging out with Big Ben, I guess, his friend. Just a little kid. kid, Some kid. And then, like, in, again, a heelish way, Mm -hmm. he he says he's now friends with Big Ben. Like, almost like he went to Ben's... And he says he went to Ben's house. Almost as if he was like, I'm going to steal Sting's fan away from him. Yeah, like, right. That's like the, he doesn't say that's this. It seems it, like it, it comes off that way, right? Like, and and it's like, why am I rooting for this guy again? Seems like he has a bit of a complex, huh? He's a very confused man, right? Sneaky to call off. He says he all he wants to do is talk to Sting, and Jerry's like, "Well, you can't. He's injured. No, he's injured." And the kid is like, "Well, I'm only a phone call away, Sting." Yeah. <laughs> and then he brings out some girl from the crowd with her face painted like yeah, Sting. Yeah, nice little girl. Nice nothing, little girl. Yeah. He says that she represents all the stingers out there: black, white. Green? Green? Yes. What, is Gumby a Sting fan? What, is Roger Klotz out there a Stinger? Hey, cooking for girls. I'm he's so, being so weird. He's being a heel. Like, like it's I strange. almost half expected him to get mad when the girl said she was a Sting fan. Right. And, or he would say, like, come, come, we'll hang out for a day and then you'll be my fan or something. Because she's, she like, says, like, what he did to Big Ben. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But he's like, no, Sting's my favorite wrestler too. And then this thing takes a turn because now he's like, K. Allen Fry, I want to fight. He calls out Chip Kim Fry. What the fuck? <laughs> He's like, I want to fight Big Van Vader. End of scene. Yeah, like, what? After all the talk about Sting, right? Like, Sting, 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 Sting. I want to fight Vader. No build up to Vader. Vader no. is not name dropped the entire time. He never mentions Vader till this point. But let's come back because we've got a match here. And first, Bill Frail is going to compare Arn Anderson to like a football player or he something. He thinks he's so good. Oh, with the football. Him and J- JR. JR was the worst person to pair her because yes. JR is going to always get sucked into football talk. Oh, Every time. If you, if you have a football player, anybody who played football yep. when they were in college, like JR yeah. like, right, what team, what, what position are you playing? I know. Like every time. You know what? A great time to talk about football, Quinn, is April. Yeah. <laughs> because football is really, you're right in the thick of football really in April. really thinking about football. Yeah, especially right the Atlanta Falcons. They're definitely playing some games really soon. They're very relevant in April of 92. <laughs> I'm sure the only reason this show is one hour that we're watching is because the Braves were playing later, later yeah, that night. They should be talking about baseball. Right. Why, why wouldn't they have like a baseball player as the. Bobby Cox, I don't know, a manager, it's someone. It's WCW, so they obviously can't get like a good baseball player, but somebody huh? like Minor on the Braves right. in 92. I would have taken like John Smoltz though. Was he there? That would have been, they, he was minor they, uh, in 92. I don't know if he, mm-hmm. Petey, let's go to our next match. How about this? It's Iron Anderson, Quinn. Iron Anderson. With Paulie Dangerously versus Larry Santo, not to be confused with El Santo. Yes. <laughs> the famous Mexican wrestler. Legacy Hall of Famer himself. Yes. And Nick Patrick and his The mo- Santo. The Santo. Uh, Nick Patrick and his moustache are the ref here. Yes. And Anderson starts with a knee drop and a bunch of stops as JR says something about Cy Sperling being out there. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, second Cy Sperling reference of the night. Yeah. Quinn and I are remarking about how 33-year-old Arn Anderson always looks 50. It's amazing, really. I mean, he is young here. He's like R8. Like, I'll be 33 this year. Yeah. He's like my age 
age, he looks like my dad's age. Right. You know? It's, my, it's bizarre. It's amazing how old that guy looked, even yeah. when he wasn't. Spinebuster gets the win. Next Saturday, Quinn, you better stay tuned because Arn Anderson's taking on Big Josh. Great. <laughs> that's, Fantastic. You know who that is, right? Big Josh? I don't remember. Matt who. Bourne? Oh, that's Matt Bourne. The lumberjack version of Matt Bourne Ugh. before he became Doink. It's not um, it's not Van Hammer or anything. No, Van Hammer was always Van Hammer. He never wasn't Van Hammer. <laughs> he was always Van Hammer. Wait, was he Van Hammer in the Ravens flock? Yeah, he was just Hammer, I think, by then. I don't <laughs> hammer know. time. Uh, we get the Castrol GTX high performance replay of Arn Spinebuster, by the way. Yes. I like that that was kept into the network broadcast. Yeah, they just, they, maybe they forgot to cut yeah, it. Yeah. JR and Freilich are now ringside and they go up to Rhubarb Jones Who? as the ring announcer. Who? Who is Rhubarb Jones? Do you have any information on Rhubarb Jones? I have never heard of Rhubarb He's Jones. pretty fat. He is kind of, he's like a fatter David Penzer. Yeah, but no, David Penzer wasn't fat. He looks like a fatter just, David Penzer. David Penzer, he's thought, chubs. He thought, you thought that because the cummerbund was like <laughs> sticking out and it's all rainbows and everything. You're not a fan of his stupid cummerbund. I just are you? always thought it was dumb. Like, I thought it was like inappropriately loud. It was a little loud. Yeah. I'll give you that. It was a little high volume there. Yeah. So we get Barry Windham challenging stunning Steve Austin for the TV title in a two out of three falls match. Now, I need to remark before we get started here. Yes, sir. Isn't this bullshit like this match for a TV title? Because so TV title matches have a very strict 15, 15. minute time limit, right? Correct. So if you're Steve Austin, yeah. you have to be pinned twice in 15 minutes. That's tough. That's that is tough. Bullshit. Yeah. First of all, second of all, what is the WCW Championship Committee doing? Like signing matches? That's garbage. How Let is that fry, man? The other thing is the whole time I'm confused because like if like say it's like one zero like yeah. in the middle of the match. Yes. Shouldn't the guy with one zero like win technically? But it's a two out of three fall, so no. So if it was an Iron Man, you'd be right. Basically, like we're going by the rule that the goal is to get two falls in fifteen minutes, and sure. if you don't, it's just a draw. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's. So the- I just want to let put that out there because I thought sure. that that was incredibly confusing when I was watching this. The conditions of winning the match are two out of three falls. Right. Just like in a one-fall match, the condition to win the match is one fall. So if the conditions to win aren't met, it's a draw. Okay. Fair enough. I just wanted to put it out there because I remember watching this with you and I'm like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm like so confused. It's a good point. Wyndham yeah. looks good. So does Austin. They're showing them come from the backstage area out, which I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Yeah. JR is not solo on commentary anymore. No, he's joined by Bill Freilich himself. Come on. <laughs> come on now. Uh, as we start here, we get a big Paul E. Sucks chant. <laughs> very nice of 1992 crowd. I like that. Very nice of them to appreciate his heel work, basically. Yep. Austin's got long hair still here in this match. Right. Even though we know it's been cut. Yep. And he's got his trapper keeper tights, you know, yep. the neon tights. And we get a headlock by Wyndham and a shoulder tackle back to the headlock reversed by Austin to a head scissors. Clean break and another headlock takeover by Wyndham. Very Aust- athletic stuff here. Yep. Very athletic. Austin powers out, goes for a suplex, but Wyndham fights out and we have another clean break. Collar and elbow. Wyndham grabs another headlock takeover. Austin counters with a head scissors again. Wyndham fights out and levels Austin with a slap. Austin Bales and Mike Atkins, who I can best term Quinn as imitation Nick Patrick, yes, is the in ref. In fact, you thought Nick Patrick before was imitation. <laughs> yeah. You thought he was Mike Atkins. Yes, I got him confused. Yes. I thought Nick Patrick wasn't Nick Patrick. Yes. And I thought this guy was. Yeah. Turns out I was wrong. You were completely opposite. You I were mixed wrong. up there. I was all mixed up. Austin's back in the Rams, win him into the turnbuckle a few times. Wyndham reverses a suplex and floats over for the first fall. Yeah. Barry okay. Wyndham. 1 0. 1 0. Wyndham dominates. After the first fall, big drop kick, body slam, elbow. He heads up, but Paul hops on the apron, and Austin low blows Wyndham while the ref 
is distracted. Just killing time here. Killing time. Speaking of distracted, JR and Fralick are talking about football. Where's Jesse Ventura? Is he like off? Does he like the flu? Like what? He just debuted. Yeah, what the like hell? what did he like slip on a banana peel and hurt his back before this show? Like where is he? I only work every other show. Yeah. Big clothesline by Austin, and he dumps Wyndham to the outside. Austin knocks Wyndham off the apron into the guardrail. Wyndham struggles back in, and Austin hits a body slam for two. Two minutes, Quinn, of TV time remaining. Already, we're there. Austin with a savvy strategy, though. He grabs a headlock, you know, run down the clock there, but Wyndham does fight out. We get a double collision as 45 seconds remain. Not looking good here for Wyndham. Not looking good. Small package gets two for Wyndham. A backslide gets two. two for Wyndham. A big clothesline for two. As Austin gets his foot on the ropes, a suplex by Wyndham gets two. two. And the time runs out. Uh-huh. And Austin kicked out Kinda anyway. So it's like, anyway. He, it didn't matter. Like, that's what I was saying. I was like, they're, they're acting like it was so close. He kicked out anyway. <laughs> he did kick out anyway. So since Wyndham only won a fall, Austin retains. And JR and Freilich get the hell out of there quick. Yeah. They're like, all right, well, goodbye, folks. Bye, See you folks. next week. Yeah, we have no time left, basically. Now, I want to give a star rating in that match that I normally don't do. That's I would interesting. Give, I would give that three stars, folks. I want to just tell you, that was a thoroughly enjoyable TV main event. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Right? And it perfectly exemplifies like why the TV title existed, yep. why it was good. They should make like a TV title DVD. Like WWE. <laughs> yeah. like, they, they should. Could. They could there, do There's it. so many good matches. Like, it's, there's probably a lot that nobody have ever seen because they were just randomly sure. on Saturday night or something. Right. Not very memorable, but very yeah. good. Yeah. I totally agree with you. That overall, I would say that's not a lot of crap on that. That was a fun show. Yeah, I mean, I felt like WCW was in a good place with how they produced their television by 1992. It's like they, they figured it out. They know, like, this is how you make a a wrestling show in the mainstream. Yeah. This is how it should look. This is how it should feel. Sure. Nothing felt cheap here, like WCW nope. sometimes can feel oh, yeah. in the early days. This felt pro. This yeah. felt slick. Yeah. You know, this it, was an enjoyable it, it broadcast. modern for, for 1992. It that actually is. really did, Quinn. Yeah. Because, and I, you know, normally I hate to give WCW any credit over the WWF. Right. But to be completely honest, WWF's close to, closest thing to this at the time would be primetime, meaning two hours with a bunch of matches. And dare I say it, this was this a little better. more modern looking yeah. and, and slick than yeah. that was, because that was coming off the 80s style Correct. of production. And this is uh, applying a more 90s style mentality. Yep. And it was well done. And yeah. I would say that overall, it was a good show. A lot of times, folks, will will happen upon stuff, and it really sucks, and there's a lot to make fun of. Yeah. Outside of Firebreaker Chip and Bill Fralick, and Bill Fralick th- this was a good show. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And even that Nikita thing, as yeah, meandering was, that, was that, as that was, yeah. I said to you after, I was like, I was like sucked in and sort of interested. I was like, where is this going? This is actually like intriguing. And all the credit in the world to Nikita, he like, it didn't seem like he would be able to like capture yeah. our like imaginations there, and but we were like... Yeah. We were kind of like hanging, like, where's he going with this? Like, yep, exactly. Is he, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And it, he did a great job. And Nikita's a guy that I, nobody ever talks about him. You're right. And especially 90s Nikita Koloff. Yeah. But folks, we hope you enjoyed as We've talked about 90s Nikita Koloff and a bunch of other things. And we hope you join us again next week for episode number 78. We will be back, of course. In the meantime, you can reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Join the group at Facebook if you'd like to do that. You can also go to our website, ovppodcast.com, where we will take your suggestions. And if you'd like to donate, you can go to patreon.com 
slash OVP podcast. But we thank you so much for joining us for another romp through the world of retro wrestling. We will be back for another episode next week. So until that time, have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week. This is Joe Murata and Michael Quinn saying so long. See ya. Bill, the Falcons had a great year last year. They went to the playoffs. You won your first round game against the New Orleans Saints. This year, you'll be competing in the new Georgia Dome, right beside the Omni, the home of WCW. But how do you see the football forecast for this season? Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, we're coming off a great year, and I'd like to think we're going to have an even better one next year. But we got a lot of unsettled uh, situations right now. You got Deion Sanders contemplating baseball and other things. And, uh, you know, right now, my situation is unclear, too. I've got a. Uh, contract that I've got to settle with the Falcons and I uh, one of the reasons I'm here to tell you the truth is to explore the option of wrestling here at WCW. Very big news. Uh, you're seriously considering uh, wrestling in WCW if things don't work out for the Falcons? Well I'll tell you what it's not necessarily if they do work out with the Falcons I'm just exploring all my options. I think the uh, thing with professional wrestling and professional football is such that hey you've got to be big strong fast and aggressive and I think Those qualities have made me a good professional football player. Will you stop?